You're listening to The C-Dub Show. Visit us on the Say Something Nice podcast network at ssnpodcast.com. Follow us at The C-Dub Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Acast. And now, on to our show. Thank you. Oh, you're beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, those, I have to say, those were the good old days. I love those songs. Uh, Those were magic moments with all my brothers, including Jermaine. But, uh, you know, those were good songs. I, I like those songs a lot, but especially... The new songs. Yeah. 
episode of the C-Dub Show. We are recording this live on Sunday, May the 6th in the year of our Lord 2018. And guess what, y'all? This is our 25th episode. Woo! Y'all supposed to clap. I was about to say, y'all supposed to clap, scream, Shabbat holy, do something. (laughs) Clap, clap. So it is our 25th episode, and I am so excited to be back here with you all. Um, somewhere out Ooh, there in the... Strong Jay, Strong Jay. <laughs> I'm done. Okay. That, those are our guests acting up in the background, y'all. We're we going to get to them in a minute. Somewhere out in the interwebs, we do have Courtney, Caleb, and B. Willis. B. Willis, are you here, and can you say hello to the people? I am here. Hello, people. <laughs> hello B. Willis and Courtney and Caleb are you here and can you say hello to the people I'm here Caleb is um, sedated what, so what, what? what does sedated. that mean did he take some, some uh, Benadryl or something He's he hasn't been feeling well oh you don't sound like you're feeling well I feel fine. I lost my voice because I went to the Warriors game on Tuesday. Oh, that's right. Oh, and you, that was, but that was almost a week ago. You still ain't got it back yet? No, because I've been drinking. And, oh. Uh, <laughs> that, will damage your, that will damage your vocal cords, Whitney. Now you ain't going to never be able to hit a high note again. Hey, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Speaking I'm, of, I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna just have my niece come and finish the notes for me. What do you mean? Just I'm done. Let me, uh... I'm done. I weird note without nope defamation. We not nope. We not doing that today. Um, and we also have some guests on the line for our 25th episode. We first have my sister all the way from Houston, Texas, or Lake Richardson, or wherever she lives at outside of Houston. Hello, sister Courtney. Can you say hello to the people? Good evening, sisters and brothers in Christ. Good evening. Praise God for you. And we also have my good buddy. Now, this is technically this is my friend Greg's first appearance on the show. However, you will recall when we did the episode, what kind of particular shit is that? That was Greg's voice. Hello, Greg Treblefeet Mitchell. How are you? Say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Hello, people. What kind of particular shit is that? What anyway. kind of particular shit is that? He can't even do it right no more. He, if that was a once in a lifetime. Well, no, I, I gotta. <laughs> if, if, if if I'm trying to do it to say something nice way, then I gotta be all amped up and upset. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm but I'm calm now. Oh, okay. Well. So, but anyway, thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. Thank you for coming to to discuss with us, people. We have a lot 
to get through today. Well, not a lot. It's only like five topics, but we've been gone for a while. And I'm sure that you all have been itching to hear our thoughts on a few particular topics. But first, let's get into the theme of today's show. Today's show is called C-Dub 25, because it is our 25th episode. And I knew about five episodes ago that I wanted to commemorate this episode by talking about my favorite TV show, Motown 25. Motown 25 was an epic event in my life, even though I was only four years old when it came out. TV show or TV special? It was a TV special. Um, which is why it was important that my sister is here because if I was four, she was only two, but she can t- testify to how important Motown 25 was and is to my particular life. But first, let it me shaped our whole life. It shaped our entire life, y'all. But first, let me tell the people who did don't. It? it it really did. No, really, it did. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that. But let me just tell that the for the white people and the young people who don't know what Motown 25 was. Motown 25 was mm-hmm. a 1980. I didn't say Willis and Courtney. I just said young people. <laughs> <laughs> Motown 25 was a 1983 television special produced by Suzanne DePass, who at the time was a Motown executive to commemorate Motown's 25th year. Motown was founded in January in 1958. The program was taped before a live studio audience at the Pasadena Civic Auditorium. It was recorded on March the 25th of 1983, and it broadcast on NBC on May the 16th. Oh, wow, that's 10 days from today. Hmm, I should have waited. Anyway, it, it was broadcasted on NBC on May the 16th. Um, the biggest highlight of the show was this was Michael Jackson's breakout performance. Um, he performed the only non-Motown song of the night, which was the song we played at the top, which was Billie Jean. Um, and some other very important things that we will go into as we deconstruct the show. Now for the behind the curtain stuff. Apparently, and Greg, this is why I need you here. From what I know of Motown lore, Motown was in a downward spiral. Barry Cordy was depressed. So Suzanne DePass decided that she was going to create this special to commemorate Motown's 25th anniversary. At this point, a lot of the legendary artists that are featured on the show had left. Um, and it's actually when you watch the show, you'll kind of see Barry being very melancholy. And from what I understand from his autobiography at the end, when Diana kind of holds up her hands, he holds up his hands like, what do you want me to do? Well, in his words, this was right before he decided to go ahead and sell the company. He did it a few years later, but this is when he started to know that he needed to actually sell the company. Um, some of the important highlights that happened, we had the first reunion of the Jacksons since since Jermaine left with Daddy Gordy in, in 76 when they became the Jacksons. Um, and Michael actually did not want to be on the show because at that time, Billie Jean was, was up, headed up the chart. I think it said it was in a seven-week run on the Billboard 100. And he decided he had been doing too much press. I've been doing too much press if you saw the Jacksons movie. I've been doing too much press. I've been getting too much exposure. And so Barry himself <laughs> had to actually come out and convince Michael to do it and also had to, uh, to agree to letting him do the one non-Motown medley. Um, for anybody, but if I'm the only person probably in the region who has read Michael Jackson's Moonwalk. He talks about how he came up with the the sequence that became the Billie Jean medley, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
It is important for me in my life because, as I said, I was only four years old. So when they started to show clips of of a lot of these artists, especially Michael, a lot of them were already in a renaissance period. But I didn't know who these people were. Okay, I didn't know who this little boy with the afro was. I had to ask my mama, who is that? And she's like, that's Michael Jackson. You know, I had to ask her about all these different clips. And that was actually when I became a pop culture junkie, a black pop culture junkie. was, And I became an obsessive Motown fan. And then, and then my daddy stole the tape, and I didn't see it for a long time. I didn't, I didn't comment on that. He stole it. I didn't see it again until I was ten years old when they finally re-released it on VHS. Yes, the tape shot, he stole the VCR. Never mind. That's a whole. That's family. That's family trauma. So first, I want to. I'll go over to Greg. You may. I don't know how old you are, Greg, but I am. I am forty-two. Okay, so that means you would have been six. I and I saw Motown 25, but honestly, I haven't seen it again since. The devil! I haven't oh, seen Jesus. it again since. I I want to correct this. <laughs> I wish I had known prior to the show. I would have rewatched, <laughs> but um, just to get my weight up. But from what I remember of it, it was sort of a reunion for the Jacksons on that show, and. They let Michael do some of his new material as well, which eventually became Billie Jean. And, you know, that came out as a single at the time. I think that, I think was Thriller already out. Thriller was already out. And I think that Billie Jean was the song that was on the top on the on the Billboard 100 at the time. But I don't think he had did the video yet. But it, yeah. it had to have already been out because at the beginning you heard the lady scream Billie Jean. I was like, how she knew? Well, I mean, well, this is 83. If, if I'm not mistaken. Thriller came out in August of 82, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so, yeah, then that means, and this was 83, so Billie Jean was already out. Yeah, okay. So, um, I loved it from what I remember of it <laughs> at that time. I remember what I remember of seeing it. I loved it. Um, I was impressed. Uh, Michael, I didn't really understand completely what Michael Jackson meant. I just, as a young six-year-old kid, saw this black guy doing all these dance moves and the simple black pride I had in myself or had been instilled in me hopped right out. And I was like, yeah, that's great. But I think I, I think I can leave it there as far as how I feel about it. Yeah, well, the whole, the whole show itself was actually a reunion of sorts. Actually, it was the first time that the Jacksons performed since 76. Um, some interesting reunions and non-reunions. Lionel Richie performed with um, who they call the Sickle Cell Poster Child. That was a weird segment, but he sang uh, You Mean More to Me to, this, to the, the Poor Child. But he did not perform with the Commodores, who did actually perform Brick House without him. But they only performed like, like one minute of it, so that's probably why he didn't do it. Um, you did have the reunion of the Miracles. That was the first time that Smokey had performed with them since 72. Um, you had the, the, the Temptations and the Four Tops Battle of the Bands, which actually is so funny. I was with a colleague on Friday and we were talking about recording this episode and he talked about how, yes, they did the Battle of the Bands and it became something that the Temptations and the Four Top performed on for like the next 30 years. Like they both like performed the Battle of the Bands for the last 30 or next 30 years. But also in looking back, it became the first moment that anybody knew that Dennis was about to leave. And I'm, I'm going to play that moment right now of when they actually it became public that he was getting ready to leave. Hold on. 
So that eventually became the reveal that Dennis was getting ready to leave for like the first and like four times. Um, interestingly enough, and then Courtney, I'm going to get to you because you you know you have to bring home the how much Carolyn loves this crazy show thing. Um, yeah. There were a lot of people from Motown 25 who were surviving and who did not actually get invited at all. So at the end, um, Diana Ross talks about how, you know, everyone came home because they had all left. But there are a lot of people who were surviving and living and who did not get invited, including um, many of the original Temptations, including Eddie and then Eddie and David, who were still alive at the time. They were not invited. Um, None of the Funk Brothers were invited, which eventually led later to the documentary Standing in the Shadows of Motown. Because a couple of them actually had to buy their tickets to Motown 25. And they one of them bought his tickets from a scalper and sat in the, in the back seat, which is terrible. Um, because they did a whole... Wait, 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 <laughs> yeah. hold up, back up. Back, hold up yes, hold up. jump right in there. <laughs> hold up, what? Yes, it, I, doesn't rem- I don't remember which one it was. It, they talked about it in Standing in the Shadows of Motown. And I'm looking, I looked online, I couldn't figure out which Funk Brother it was, but I do remember, yes, one of them bought his ticket to Motown 25 from a scalper and sat in the back in, with the general public. And if you recall, there was a whole segment, which is one of my favorite segments in the show, called What What Exactly Is Motown Sound? Well, we all know right. that the Motown Sound was the Funk Brothers, but they never credit the musicians at all. They do do a segment with the legendary writers, so they had Norman Whitfield... They had Lamont Dozier Holland, um, you know, I'm sorry, Holland Dozier Holland and the white dude. I can't remember what the white dude's name was. Um, they had all of them, but they didn't credit the musicians at all. Um, and then, of course, there Bob is... Bob Babbitt, you mean? Was it... No, it wasn't... Was it Bob Babbitt? No, his name started with the R. Wait, his name wasn't Bob Babbitt. Mm. I'd have to look it up. I can't remember which name it was. I know when I see him because he sings for once in my life. But he didn't write that, I don't think. Um, Courtney, I want you to jump in with your two-year-old thoughts of, of your sister growing up obsessed with this show. Because I have literally been obsessed with this show all of my life. Really? Yes. Literally. <laughs> literally, literally. all. We, how literally. We, when we ain't had no cable, we had Motown 25. Over. Over. We know every song, every dance move, every joke, every ad lib. We know every part of that movie because the show because Carolyn just played it over and over and um it really did shape our musical culture of for our little family because we didn't know I didn't know Martha and the Vandellas I didn't know I'm not you know other temptations but I didn't know those songs those hits so it did really shape everything that we know and the um our musical style and taste of today she was obsessed with it and and that in that documentary, The Gospel with the Clark Sisters and the Hawkins family. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but um. well, one another one big scandal that happened at the end of Motown Twenty Five. Now this was the the where the Supremes reunited for the first time since nineteen whatever year that Diana left. So the way that the the, the segment was supposed to go, Diana comes in from the back of the auditorium. She's if you've seen her earlier in the show, she spent the whole show sitting up top with Barry. She comes down the center aisle singing "Someday We'll Be Together," um, and when she gets up to the stage, Cindy enters and then Mary enters. I have spent twenty five years trying to find online what happens next so apparently her and mary get into a battle on stage and apparently uh diana pushes mary 
And but you you'll never find that. Somebody told me the other day that it's buried somewhere deep in the past vault because it, it hurt the special itself too much. But that was actually what them that and also what happened with um when she told um, Florence Ballard that she would take care of it, kind of spurned her into writing her book, which of course, of course, led into a whole bunch of the Dream Girls book and all of that. But that was the big scandal: was her actually pushing Mary Wilson at the end of the special. Um, some other important things that happened: this was the second to last performance by Marvin Gaye. He would perform at Motown Twenty Five, and then either it was later that year he would perform the um the national anthem at the nba all-star game and then that next year of course on april 1st he would be murdered by his father but he gave this breakdown of um black music on motown 25 not too long before his death thank you what is it about the music we make that makes it the music of yesterday today and forever Maybe that today is a result of the yesterdays spent in wooden churches. Singing the praises of our maker in joyous harmony and love. And part of it has to be the songs we sang, working under the blazing sun to help pass the hard times. Yeah. Yesterday was also Bessie Smith and Satchmo, New Orleans and gospel choirs, slavery and folk songs, Bojangles, Ethel Waters. Huh. What about those rent parties, huh? Remember those? Yesterday was hot. Yesterday was hurting. And yesterday was the birthplace of today. You know, today is 25 years of climbing and building and opening doors and breaking old rules. Today is also love songs. songs and songs of protest and anger songs of Jonas and songs of wounds left unattended for far too long um, it's songs to dance to to march to, to fly to, to make love to, to make love to. It's music pure and simple and hard and soulful if you insist, full of promise and determination, and unity and humanity. My loved ones, today is the birthplace of forever. So 
that was the tribute to black music that Marvin did his second to last performance before um, his untimely death and murder by his father. Um, and the one that there's actually two other important things for me that happened, but one which is visual, so I'm not going to play it. Motown 25 was also the time when I recognized I got hit with colorism at four years old because that was when I fell in love with Elder Barge hopelessly in love and it would last forever <laughs> um it, it would last for a long long time um but i did want to go ahead and just pay tribute to the show Motown 25 because like i said it was it was a very important thing to me it led me to become a reader it led to me becoming a, a historian of sorts so since five years old i've been a historian in this this pop culture thing and really if it hadn't been for that moment back in 1983 we would not have to see dub show right now because I wouldn't enjoy sitting around talking shit about pop culture as much as we do. So, especially, yeah. So, as much as, especially to all the people who were on that show who have now passed on. So many, most of the people in that performed on that show in 83 passed on. And later on, I came up with a good idea, actually. This show became the first of two specials that Motown did. The second one, which was hosted by Bill Cosby, who we'll talk about later. Was was called Motown Returns to the Apollo. It's another. I was thinking about that. Yes, that child, that was a good one. That now that good. one is hard to find on YouTube, so it it would even be hard to memorialize it on the show. Clips of it. Well, I have you it on DVD. It. I bought it on e I on eBay good. years ago. I have it on DVD, and maybe when I go to New York, we'll do C Dub Returns to the Apollo. I don't know, but for all those artists who have gone on, those artists who inspire me to learn more about what they did. All those artists whose history have become our history. I am dedicating this 25th episode of the C-Dub Show to all of them. So, yay, Black Music. Yay, Motown 25. Yay for 25 years of my mama buying every Motown book that came through Walnut Bookstore. <laughs> all right, so moving on. Courtney and B. Willis, you still there? Yeah. Yep. All right. I just want to make sure. You know, they young. They don't know nothing about what happened in '83. So, oh, <laughs> so I'm I sorry, y'all. <laughs> what, what do I always say? Anybody who was born after '83 is the devil. Motown 25 is the reason why. So you missed mm -hmm. it. So you are Satan. Um. So some important things. Our last episode has been almost a month ago, and I apologize to you listeners. It has been a busy, busy month. Especially, I don't know about B. Willis and her teaching gig in, in at her school but as we get into the end of school and we got testing and we doing a student elections and now pride season has started it has been a crazy couple of months um so we have a lot of topics to discuss let's we didn't do a check-in but i have i came up with a special check-in we always ask for people's favorite memes our favorite viral videos but this week we had a very special hashtag that spawned a lot of wonderful memes so i'm going to ask everyone if you can think off the top of your head what was your favorite if slavery was a choice meme oh my favorite one yes your favorite one Ooh, it had to be the one picture that i got from twitter oh lord the twitters i got a picture from the twitter verse that had um, the comment card that you fill out when you decide to unsubscribe <laughs> and it gave you the options of you know the beatings were too much something like it was it was a couple of options I could probably pull it up and read it verbatim 
I think I posted um, it too. The one that said the beatings were inappropriate. Yeah, that um, one. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that one. Did you notice at the bottom of that one it said, "Do you want to return to the plantation?" Yes, I saw that shit. <laughs> I was like, "Yo, what the? What is this?" I I had to post it up because I thought it was like so brilliant. Oh. Um, I was like, "Oh, that is good." They had that some is, really, really good ones. B. Willis, what was your favorite if slavery was a choice mean? Um, if I'm being honest, when I saw those posts, I didn't click on it because I wasn't paying that no mind. So I'm just going to go with Gre- what Greg just said because I, I think I saw you post that and that's the only one I saw. Okay, can I, real quick, I'm sorry. I did I did find it. It said, freedom successful. You will no longer receive oppression from your master. If you have a moment, please let us know why you're leaving. Yes. <laughs> then, then it had the different options of, I no longer want to pick cotton. I never signed up for the boat ride. The beatings are inappropriate. The auctions are scams and should be reported. Other fill-in reason below. Submit and then return to the plantation was a click on the bottom. Yes, that that was my best. That, that, that was my favorite. What what was your favorite? Uh, we'll say Courtney and Caleb. What was your favorite? If slavery was a meme, or was a meme. If slavery was a choice meme. It was actually just like a tweet from a girl. It didn't get like turned into its own meme. Mm-hmm. It's like if slavery was a choice. Um, she said, "Me searching for the right song before I start picking cotton." <laughs> and it's a picture of like, two black people in a cotton field and they both have on hats but for some reason they have a macbook and they're like both looking that's lapita yeah (laughs) yeah it's like why like why did they have a macbook in the middle of a cotton field what was happening (laughs) i think it looked like they were filming something i think the the person that was that was lapita yeah that was lapita it looked like they were filming something and they was in the field uh going over notes but it was it worked per i saw so many with that same picture that (laughs) that was actually because it's like really perfect because it's like this is exactly how you would look right now you'd have a macbook but you'd still be someone's property and you'd be in the middle of a cotton field trying to get the right wi-fi connection it's just like that's how it would look like that's exactly what it would look like today oh sister courtney what was your favorite one mine wasn't actually a meme gospel singer um i think his name is um jeremiah doley who is way funnier than his singing i'm sorry brother but you're singing subpar but you are hilarious he he was sitting in a cotton field and called his friend to see why he hadn't come to um to pick cotton that day, he, and he said, "I just thought I'm an optometrist instead." <laughs> oh yeah, that video. <laughs> he said he had notified massa. <laughs> well, yeah, that was a good one for me. I cannot <laughs> find. I'm trying to find the one that I because my favorite one was actually one with Sheree from uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I can't remember oh what preceded it, but it was the meme of her saying, uh, I think it's uh, September, uh, 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 summer, fall, summer, fall. I can't remember which one it was. Yes! But my second favorite one has the lady with the glasses bent over, and it said, me looking into the field to see how many people out there yet. I said, I'm, I'm done with y'all. 
It was that was that was the big winner in the memosphere this week. Um, we will get to where that that hashtag launched from in just a moment. But we will actually start with last night's SNL. Did anybody else see the Childish Gambino Donald Glover SNL besides me and Greg? I I have to watch Saturday Night Live on Sundays on Hulu. Right, me too. So I, haven't got, <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. I make it, it a point to watching this week. I make it a point to wait to see if Greg liked whoever was on SNL the night before, and then after church, I come home and I watch it. Except for except for this one, because as soon as I got up, all anybody was talking about was Donald Glover's new video that came out called "This Is America." Now, this is America. I'm gonna before I we actually I'm gonna play a clip of it. I'm gonna proceed it by saying this. It's a cool song. It's a video that needs to be seen. I'm going to play the clip. I'm not going to play a lot of it because it really to get the vibe, you actually have to watch the visuals in the actual clip itself. And he did do it last night on SNL. And it was it was cool, but it was without the... He couldn't do the same visuals because... Well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but... premiere i don't know if it happened because they it didn't happen during saturday night live it must have dropped after saturday night live finished rapping um and just for those of who haven't seen the video yet just in those two minutes that i just played he shot 11 people so i'm going to actually throw to b willis before i give my thoughts on the show on the video because she says that she has gone to the twitters and the twitters helped her detect uh or decode what was happening so, B. Willis, what did the Twitters say that the video meant? Because <laughs> <laughs> this is one time, y'all, you know, you got me, B. Willis, and Courtney. We pretty good about decoding stuff and deconstructing. We talked about this earlier this morning, and we determined that none of us truly knew what was happening. 
So, B. Willis, what were your findings on the Twitters? Um, I mean, when I first watched the video, <clears throat> sorry, I watched it twice, and I mean, some of the imagery that I got, I got, and I think mainly I got the whole imagery of, like, gun violence and uh, police brutality and blah, 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 but the main theme, <clears throat> the main theme that I saw on Twitter is that, like, his whole... The whole video was mainly about how um, we are distracted from things that are going on, like, constantly, like, real things that are going on constantly by random shit in society and shit that don't, you know, that is trivial. And so the whole thing about him dancing and then all this chaos is happening around like in the background and around him and you really don't notice it because you're distracted by all these faces that he's making and dance moves which i was the first time i was mm-hmm. like what the hell are you doing donald Glover? and then and then every time he would turn around and shoot somebody i'm like it kind of speaks to like how we work like some something some really big event happens and that catches our attention and yes it's important that it has our attention but then there's other things that are constantly happening and we don't really pay it any mind because we're focused on something that we shouldn't be focused on and so that's what Twitter was explaining and I was like oh that makes a lot of sense and I went to go back and watch the video and I'm like yeah that's there's a lot of shit happening in the background that I was not paying attention <laughs> right. because Donald Glover had children dancing and he was making weird ass faces and blah 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 and then he would randomly shoot somebody and I'm like whoa that catches my attention and then he would just go back to dancing and that was weird and then it was some other stuff Twitter was saying but um, you know it's a bunch of scholars on there so the Twitter they, they explained it. Well, a lot of free thinkers <laughs> on the internet, you said? Mm. <laughs> they they, they yeah. free. They deconstructing how we could use this video to, to go back in time and get all our answers out of slavery. Oh, okay. Uh, Greg, did you get a chance? I know you said you were going to go back and watch it. Did did you get a chance to go back and watch it? I actually, um, while we were getting the show started here, I, I watched and I looked at the video now officially. And... I got one full look at it okay. in pieces. I'm sitting here looking at it. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm stuck on wow. And I think wow is where I'm going to be for a while. Cause I'm like, eh, I don't understand it. It's, it's clever. And aside from the hoe in me wanting to keep looking his body. Oh, okay. Um, I'm like, he's been spending- not having a sexy body, but okay. <laughs> well, it's 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 not traditionally sexy, but I have this. It's, I- it's not, but it's not, yeah, it's, it's not. But I have this idea in mind that after after we get to a certain age in our lives, we look for sexy and different things. Mm. And for me, I'm looking at this like, God damn, he kind of he kind of dead bod hot with it. And he been he been I mean, spending a lot of time with no shirt on recently too. <laughs> yeah, for real. It, and it looked it looked quite interesting for me. Now the, the, the shooting <laughs> Donald Glover looks like an uncle. That's why that's why I don't find him sexy. But okay, okay. Well, I'll be your uncle. I'll be your uncle's boyfriend. <laughs> then. <laughs> right. Hey, thank you. <laughs> I'll be your uncle's boyfriend. Then what's up? With it? What's up? Anyway, so. I mean, <laughs> all, all bullshit aside, I mean, we, we looking at this and I'm like, I, I want to, I, I don't understand why he shot the choir up. 
I had I have a theory about Hawaii I, shot the court right now. I think that um I think that that plays to a couple of things. I think that was in reference to um the Charleston. church Charleston. Uh-huh. yeah Charleston shooting, and I also feel like it gives reference to um black people even when we're supposed to be allegedly at our absolute best mm-hmm. you know in church worshiping you know a christian god up. we're still gunned down yeah even right. in our most quote-unquote uh inappropriate moment appropriateness moments um that's that's interesting that's an interesting perspective i i respect it it's it's good for me i think it was good to see because I was very disillusioned with um, Donald Glover's last record. I didn't like it at all. And this, to me, was a lot better in terms of his music. I never thought he was a bad rapper Mm -hmm. because I I remember his first rap album uh, years before, um, before he started singing, he was more rapping. I remember his first rap album. I was like, he got some bars. This guy can spit. He's pretty impressive. Um, and Awaken My Love was not for me because I felt like it was a very... Hmm. It was kind of... It was, it was, I, I liked it, but I, I had critique of it because I could tell... Like, I could listen to it and I can tell, okay, that's supposed to be the first Funkadelic album. Okay, that's supposed to be a James Brown. I could I could tell where all the influences were. But I think yeah. in a very in a very Bruno-esque way, it was a watered down version of them. But for me, I uh-huh. enjoyed it. <laughs> I no, and th- this is not me saying I don't because I actually like the album. I didn't expect him to, to be a Funkadelic. Maybe for me, it was the, the fact that I didn't expect it, and that's what I got that I liked it. Um, I didn't expect it to be as deep as an actual Funkadelic album. But I will say this about the the video. Every time, this is now the, I think the fourth time I've watched it. Every time I get a different view of what may be happening. And so that's why I think me and Courtney were on the same page about the the choir. Because there's, at one point for me, it's like, okay, we are the ones that build and shape the culture. And then we get shot. Because to me, I kind of read it as you had the guy playing the guitar, who I assume is the guy who gets shot at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then you have the choir who out of nowhere starts singing this gospel song and then they get shot. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, we drive all the cultures and musically we all have derived, you know, you have all these white singers who are imitating black R&B singers who are in fact either imitating or previously were gospel singers. So to me, that's where that comes up when you're, you know, you're shooting up the same people that are driving the culture. Um, But then I did also get Courtney's point that whereas you have people who are not safe anywhere, once again, you go back to the man at the beginning who's sitting there calmly playing his guitar and I assume... He's getting shot, and then you have the choir who's praising God, and then they get shot. But then you have the. By the, the way, y'all know that's Trayvon Martin's dad, right? The man playing the guitar. Yeah. Get out. No. Yeah. That does look like him. Now that I see it again, and now I gotta right. go watch it again with the sound off. But that so the, the second time that I watched it, I did, Oh my god! The second time I watched it, I did get the whole respectability oh. thing, where no matter where we go, no matter what we do, even when we are driving culture, we still are up to be murdered. Um, and it was interesting <laughs> to see the the kids dancing with him because they performed it with him last night again on Saturday Night Live. And kind of the way that they staged it on Saturday Night Live was him on one side, you know, singing these serious lyrics. 
and then them on the other side just kind of getting it in, dancing and everything. Um, it kind of was was playing off of each other the way that they staged it then. That's the most that I got. I know everybody's calling him a genius, and I do. I mean, I think that it's it's. I don't know about genius. I think it's a very clever. Yeah, it's it's very it's very clever. But he's just. I I don't know. I don't. I I don't say that to talk that talk bad about him. I think. Um. In this day and age, when you have people who don't think, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> when you when you see someone who's actually thinking about just his his existence and yeah. um, what that means for black people as a whole and all the other stuff, and then incorporate it into his art, like we don't get that as often mm-hmm. <laughs> in 2018. And so, yeah, you can people who not used to that, I guess they could call it genius. I would just call it, you know, well, you, you... clever, but also artistry, like it's. Well, guess who called him a genius? Guess who called him a genius? Eric Badu. Who? Eric Badu. Oh. Which is interesting because the only time I've ever seen Childish Gambino perform, which was a crazy thing, I went to to a Eric quote unquote Eric Badu concert at the Greek here in Berkeley, um, and he was opening. But you know, it's it's at the Greek on Cal's campus, so you had all the kids down at the bottom that knew Childish Gambino's music. You had all us old heads at the top waiting for Eric Badu to come. And it was like this, she she did her music plus some old like uh, Intume and all of that in her set. And the kids down there didn't know what the hell she was doing. And us up top didn't know what the hell he was doing. Um, so that was an interesting concert. But <laughs> she, it was like we was up at the at the top like trying to sing Sugar Free like hella loud. And none of them knew what was happening. Um, but she was the one, her and Lena Waithe were the ones that called him a genius. So... Wait a minute, hold on. I I, I want to make a, a slight. I want to make a slight point of clarification. Okay. You said "M to Me" is sugar free. No, no, no. What's that song that? Uh, what's the song that that Erica Badu uh that she did on live, and she does it. She did it on the live album. And she does it live. Um, the one that not that A Z sampled in Sugar Hill. What's the name of that song? Um, sugar free. Oh, that's not "Into Me." Who was that? That's um, it's, ju- it's a group called Juicy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Juicy, Juicy actually is a duo of Jerry and Catrice Barnes. Well, that's what she was singing, and none of them knew it. <laughs> and Shut up, and when he was that was he, when he was also doing his rap stuff. And I'm I, I'm the exact opposite of you, Greg. I didn't like him as a rapper. I like him more as a fake singer, and that's what I'm gonna call him as a fake singer. But I just always wondered, does he I really think he's singing? Yeah. You know what? It's not. It's not that I mind his fake singing because it's actually his singing. His singing voice is actually kind of okay. Um, what I'm having a problem with, I guess, and I just realized it. So as you mentioned it, with you said Bruno esque, I think that's what's bothering me. Yeah, that's what it is. is. The fact his music is so derivative. It's it's almost like if somebody sews a garment so bad that I can still see the seams. Yeah, and if I if I can see if I can see the seams, your work is sloppy, boo. Yeah, I'm like no, I, I shouldn't be able to see the seams. I shouldn't be able to see your influences louder than I see you. Mm. And that's a problem. That's a problem for me. Wow, I don't like that. I'm like yo, I'm we we we've been spoiled, Carolyn. We we come yeah. from a time. We come from a time when these folks, you know, were still walking Michael, the earth. 
I mean, well, no, not so much that we come from a time where our greats that we consider our greats, they had influences, but we never knew what the fuck those influences were. Yes. And it's 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 like the the magician did the magic and did the magic correctly. And we didn't see the cape. We didn't see all the other bullshit that made it the magic. We just saw the final product. That, you know what? It's funny that you would say that, Greg, because for me, that's what goes back to Motown 25. Like, I would have never, people always say, oh, Michael Jackson, you know, James Brown. I didn't know nothing about James Brown, and there was nothing for Michael Jackson when I was a little kid to indicate that. Especially about exactly. the James Brown that we saw. I didn't know yeah. Jackie Wilson until you if, if you now if you showed me Jackie Wilson when I learned who he was and saw his moves. Yes, of course that's Michael Jackson. I didn't know Bob Fosse. But I knew it Michael was, Jackson. I could see I could see, see it when I went back to right. it. And it was a revelation to us because, you know, Michael took the Bob Fosse, the Jackie Wilson, the James Brown mixed it up into his own motherfucking blend and made and his it, shit. And, and that's and that's what we saw. We didn't see the direct, right? You see what I'm saying? And it, like in that, direct, I, you know, I get that mm-hmm. because in that awaken my love, like I swear that I remember tweeting that when I first listened to it, I was like, this sounds exactly like that first. Funkadelic album, like it sounded like it was ripped right out of it, and, and not in a wow, you you know did your own thing kind of way. Like no, like is this from the Funkadelic album? So yeah, girl, look, one of the tracks was a direct ripoff because he took the do that stuff drums by Parliament and mixed it with one of the uh, I think track three from Maggot Brain. Mm, that was that must be the one. Yep, yep, that's it. That's the exact song. I'm like, wait a minute, this is this is it's the same. You don't, look, you don't make funk by sampling the funk. That's mm. not how we gonna do that right now. But you know what? A lot I'm of like, a lot mm-hmm. of what I'm learning from being around kids, especially kids who don't have real music classes anymore, is that they the way that old artists used to be able to pick up and you guys you Courtney you and Greg are are musicians so y'all can probably express this better than I can but the way they would pick up craft and then learn that craft and then do their own thing kids are not taught to do that anymore like they literally have no concept of that at all so they're not learning craft all they have is actually just listening to actual songs and then trying to replay them there's nobody teach them craft if you don't have crap, well, I, you don't have nothing. I'll, mm-hmm. that, that's actually correct. And I, I hope my church members are listening to this podcast. Probably no, not. I don't care. Probably not. Um, we got <laughs> so to the point also in churches, especially the more modern churches, we don't we don't um take the song and make it our song. Right. We're just singing it A B C D E F G is the same exact way the album did. So we're not creating. We're just singing. I'm gonna put the album on and let's do it at my house. Right, because so, yeah. don't at these churches, right? don't don't at these churches that they do like at at regular concerts where now they're listening to the track in their headphones and just playing it with the track. Am I correct or am I wrong? Yes, a lot of them are. We don't yet, but that's because I fought tooth and nail. But we don't yet. I'll say, but a lot of them do, and it's we've gotten to the point where we've lost the artistry of music. We're just robots playing. What we heard. What we heard. Yep. Okay. Well, let's jump off. Well, we're not gonna jump all the way off of Donald Glover because I do want to. There was there was only there was only a, to me a couple of 
clever segments that he did last night on SNL. Um, I couldn't find. He did Orange Juice Jones, and it's so funny because only the black ass people that watched it last night got it. Like somebody on my (laughs) somebody told me on my on Facebook that they had to actually explain it to their partner, which makes perfect sense. I said that he did all the black ass stuff that that you know Eddie Murphy and them didn't do between the eighties and nineties on SNL, and only black ass people would get it. Um, I'm not. I couldn't. I didn't bring up that clip. But if you have Hulu, go back and check it out. It's I saw what did he call it? It's not walking in the rain. It's something else. But he do the. I saw you. I saw you what? I think he just called it I Saw You, but it was under the name Raz P. Berry. And he did the whole Orange Juice Jones, like walking in the street and, and him thinking and seeing the, the video in his mind's eye, the girl with the man. And he did the rap at the end, but the rap at the end is creepy. He's talking about, hey, I took your, I took your jewels and I put them up my ass, but I can't laugh about it because then they'll come out my ass. He was like, what is happening? <laughs> I, I I just I just want to go on record as slightly disagreeing with oh, you. Okay. That, that I think this episode that aired last night was the best episode they've had in a long, a long time. time. Yes. I mean, from front to back, it was a hundred percent great. There was and, some that was born, but that's yeah, you're saying right. a lot for SNL episodes. That's, that's saying us a lot. You know that's right, girl. That's saying a lot because SNL been on some bullshit more often than not. And um, I was just so amazed. It was really, really funny. Like, really funny. I I didn't know that that dude from, uh, if you've ever watched the show Disjointed on Netflix, that he's on SNL now. I didn't know that. that. I I thought I told you that, yes. I love him. The one he was in the, um, his name is Chris... Is it Chris Ross or something? Oh, Chris Red. Yeah, Chris, Chris Red. Red. Yeah, he is hella funny on Disjoint. He was good on on this too. They only had him really in like two or three uh, segments, but they did do he's one. Ever in, he's only ever in like two sketches. But so, he's been on the show. How long I mean, has he been on there? Writer. He's he's been in a lot of stuff. Chris Red's been in a lot of stuff on the show. Well, what is he's usually in the black ass clips though? Like black like, ass segments. He's usually. Like like last night when he was in the prison segment. Yeah, yeah, he was in that. He was also in the Migos sketch. The one that looked like Migos. Wait, with, I didn't uh, see that one. Oh, you didn't? It was it was a sketch where Migos was getting therapy and oh. going to their therapist. And they had the one guy that was all, always does the ad-libs. They kind of played him to the side because he always does the ad-libs. <laughs> I, I did <laughs> not see good. that. I got it now. I must have been upstairs cooking or something. I missed that one. Yeah, you missed that one. That was great. B. Willis, um, did you see it last night? Because they had a segment that would have been of particular interest to you. Did you see it last night? No. What segment is that? They took your movie that you saw the other week, A Quiet Place. <laughs> and they made it into a Kanye place. And mm. wait, wait, I'm going to play a, a bit of that right now. Hold on because basically the premise just like in the movie, if you talk too loud, you talk if you talk loud or something you die. Um in this one, Kanye's tweets either will be read them out loud or if you react to them, you get eaten by the monster. So wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet. I love you. I love you. You guys. Shh. Kanye just tweeted. David, shh. 
monsters can't see us, but they can hear us. And if we're too loud, we'll all be killed. Kanye has the hat and everything. On Trump's side. He signed the hat, y'all. Oh, come on, Kanye. Dead. Keenan's dead. <laughs> but I like that one. I, I mean, I like all the ones that Donald Glover was in, but I thought that one was particularly clever. Um, I like the prison He one. was in all of them last night, wasn't he? I feel like there was some he was Oh, he wasn't in the cold open. Which is funny, because you first tweeted about the cold open, but the cold open didn't do nothing for me at all. What? Are you serious? Now, the cold open board, but you know, maybe it's because I'm so bored with 45 and Stormy Daniels. So, oh, but wait, 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 wait. The cold open was so dope because it, it, it was, it, it's almost like you could think Michael Cohen really was, would be that dumb to do what he did. True. And I think that's what made it so funny to me. And then when they actually broke out with Stormy Daniels for real. So that, I think that's why I didn't get it because I don't know I didn't know what the hell I didn't even I didn't know that that was Stormy Daniels till the end when Donald Glover introduced her a whole hour later. I didn't know. Mm. <laughs> See, that's why I didn't. That's why I didn't, wait, I didn't what? get it. What? So they do a explain the segment. Yeah, explain yeah, the segment, was, uh, Greg. That was really Stormy Daniels. I don't that even was... follow that. I don't even follow that news whole, when it comes to Trump that, to that even know that whole story. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, so it didn't get me. That's so. I, so yeah, long know. story short, unsurprisingly, he like fucked around on his wife, the third one, with a porn star, and then they paid her a bunch of money to not say anything like weeks before the election. And now they're fighting like, about who paid her. <laughs> right. Like, I didn't give her the money. You gave her the money. And you, you gave me, me back. The money, I, you paid me back. Her the money. But I didn't know I was paying you back for that. That's really what's happening right now. Well, well, it's like, I give you a hundred dollars, it's like, oh, you know, you owe me that hundred because that's a lot of money for us. It's like, you know, a hundred dollars. I'll be like, oh, right, all right, I'm giving you a hundred dollars. And it's like, wait, why am I paying you back? I would remember why. Like, y'all aren't that fucking rich. Like, get over yourself. You're not that rich. Where but that's, like, that's the exact point is that, you know, he's lying because clearly <laughs> you, you, would, you would know you gave somebody this damn money because that's too much damn money to just give somebody and forget about that shit. And, you know, that's, Greg, that's why for me, Weekend Update did it better than the cold open because Weekend Update, like, just went in on them for, like, 10, 15 minutes. Like, how do you not know? And, and then Michael Che was like, well, usually a person, because I think something happened where 45 said, that, I think that's a setup. And Michael Che was like, usually when people say that they getting set up, that's because they lying. It's all right. a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's lying. Yeah, they they trying to they trying to uh, explain the lie in a way. Is Michael Che is Michael Che and Chris whatever his name is that white dude are they the head writers now? They they are head writers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there are yeah, the weekend updaters the always the head writers? Sometimes I think they may be. It's it's one of those things that kind of comes with the prestige. I don't know if that's an automatic given, but sometimes. The head writers do um, get auditioned to be on Weekend Update, and it, it, I don't know if this if that was an actual the, the official announcement last night, but they did say that Michael Che and the white dude whose name I can't remember are going to be hosting the Emmys Colin this year. Jost. Yeah, that Col dude, Col Colin, <laughs> Colin Jost. They're going to be hosting the Emmys this year, so that should be yeah. that should be an interesting Emmys. 
All right, so let's jump off of, we officially off of the Donald Glover slash Charles Gambino, except for to say, I am hoping that I get to be on SSN to review this last episode of Atlanta, the FUBU episode, because I got some stuff to say. If I don't get to be on there, y'all, I'll probably will talk about it next week too, but just not today. But if you haven't been, <laughs> if you haven't been watching Atlanta, I'm just gonna say this: that after that episode aired, Very Smart Brothers did a, a list called list of thi- list of things that you had your mama buy you to make you fit in with baller culture or to look like a baller. I said, you know what? I don't have no time because I can. I, <laughs> it felt like all them times you went to Didi's discount and you. <laughs> You found, like, you're like, oh, I got me a, a FUBU. But it was, like, three gins, old FUBU or something. Or it was, like, FUBU from the swap meet or something. I don't know. That was that episode. So, so it wasn't FUBU, but it was Poo-Boo? Poo-Boo. In the, in the episode, they called it Phoebe or something like that. I don't know. Phoebe. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's jump off of that. Um, We've already gone into Kanye twice, so we just will go into him now. Um, Kanye, <laughs> if... Uh, I hope that our listeners have not been under a rock because there's no real concise way to describe what's been going on with Kanye, except for that a while ago, he came out of Twitter seclusion and started tweeting some gobbledygook. And side note, when I say he been tweeting some gobbledygook, he also has a new song where he basically says gobbledygook, scoopity boop, doop doopy doop. That's the lyrics to his song. Scoopity scoop. <laughs> My, my student came to my room. I was, you know, enjoying myself, my lunch. He was like, Miss Weisinger, I said, what? He said, I want you to listen to Kanye's new song. I said, do I have to? He sat me down and listened to that damn song. Scoopity doop, 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 doopity doop. Um, but Kanye started retweeting. Um, and he, at first he started tweeting things that he found to be inspirational that he thought made him look like a genius until someone said, why is Kanye tweeting all these stock inspirational messages? So he stopped doing that and he started tweeting his praises of 45. Um, We was already done with him talking about how we needed to love 45 and we needed to reach out and for those of you who may have missed it, we had the whole scenario where he goes to TMZ to talk about how we needed to reach out with love to the president and Van Latham from TMZ reads him and van has to read him because he what did van read he's done so much stuff van read him oh because this came after the slavery comment so he made the comment that four years of slavery hmm sounds like that was a choice and the twitterverse went into overdrive first of all twitter is the best place to deconstruct and read anyone at the same time and so those Mm. (laughs) that's the best place to learn something new and get a good read in all at the same time. Um, and that's when Twitter went into the if slavery was a choice meltdown. I did not have any structured way of, of this conversation because I feel like we all just have things that we need to get off of our chest about Kanye from beginning to end. So I'm going to start with Courtney Sands Caleb. What has been your whole thoughts and reads on the Kanye scenario? So... um you know, I, I have a complex relationship with Kanye. Basically. Don't we all? <laughs> so, so, like, I mean, first things first, he's a Gemini. Gemini men are horrible creatures. I'm a Gemini woman, so I know. But there's Ooh. just something always <laughs> fucking wrong with them. They're always doing some shit to bother somebody. 
and like just it's like they can't ever just like like let shit be and so i felt like kanye like we we do that we dip off like off of social media for a little bit brie willis did that i feel like my time is coming to dip off of social media for like a few weeks <laughs> and then i'll come back and i'll say, say some silly shit like you know what? I just feel like natural hair isn't the answer. And then my comments will explode with some nonsense because it's like you just they Gemini just step back in to fuck with people. And he's doing that. And it's like, but blood, you 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 need to shut the fuck up. You need to keep the ancestors' name. He is such Gemini. a disgrace to the whole Gemini. I, I right. just can't. I cannot stand that he and Donald Trump are Gemini's. It pisses me off. And are they both, both Gemini's? Like, example, yes, but they're both perfect, perfect examples of like, if you have a son and he's a Gemini, you have to stay on that ass. Is and Caleb a Gemini? Yeah, Gemini men are the worst. Is Caleb you a Gemini? No, no, he's Kate a Pisces. A Pisces. So I also have to stay on that ass because I can't <laughs> too hard because he's hella sensitive. But then he's also unfriendly. So I have to like make <laughs> like an active social life because people are like, he's so shy. No, he's not. He's just not friendly. There's a difference. Shy people <laughs> definitely warm up. Caleb will never be your friend. He doesn't like no, his this own is true. Caleb, it, it took Caleb literally like... <laughs> What like how how long was I there? Two three days for him to actually like want to like come to me and let me hold him or touch him. And then he, and he just like, kept staring at me. And he was like looking at the cat. He won't even <laughs> look at like Caleb doesn't like his own father. Like this is what I'm dealing with. So that's like a whole other issue. But my whole thing is like you know being a black man that grew up the way he grew up and what he was exposed to and like what i'm pretty sure donda tried to instill in him it's like nigga you need to keep the ancestor's fucking name out your mouth yeah because it's like he's like what happens with he's like a different he's like under the same umbrella of like black um people who who follow black respectability politics Mm -hmm. but he's he's like so far removed from like the the extreme survival mode our ancestors had to be had to go through to even just like get through slavery to like allow us to even be alive today and speak the way we speak and operate the way we do it's like nigga what is wrong with your brain like what to me it's like that is just that is just so far down the disrespect line to say that you feel like our ancestors chose to be slaves. And then, like, I have a friend who's also very, um, she being contrarian sometimes. It's like, well, you know, Harry Tummy didn't choose that. And it's like, I, okay, some people did choose to escape. But then also- They, they were officially choosing death. I might not survive this. Right. Harry said that on more yes. than one- Maria walked around with a rifle because she knew if she got caught from the jump, like this might end my life. She knew that from the jump. So she made that decision. Yes. But she also really didn't judge the people who it's like, I made the decision to stay quote unquote choice to stay a slave because I'm trying to operate within my own survival mode. So it's like the fact that you have never even been exposed, it's, you know, you've never even been to exposed like, to any type of. This is my issue with that kind of, of thinking. The like, type of living situation and like your life and your opportunities and your your 
whole existence being a part of an economic oppressive system like the fact that it's like you've never even like we all are still a part of an economic oppressive system but the fact that it's like you can't buy and sell me like someone can't come in here and take me and put me on a farm and make me work like that's kidnapping there's laws now and people still disobey those laws but the fact that it's like you've never even been faced with that the fact that you would even speak some horrible shit like that out of your fucking whack-ass twitter fingers is just like i'm so far gone past like fucking with him i mean my my big thing my make my big argument with those type of rebuttals is this You don't even have the bravery to go out to a Black Lives Matter um, demonstration. You don't even have the bravery to walk out of your job for fear that you will simply lose your job. Who are you to think that you are going to be brave enough to be like Harriet Tubman and walk around with a shotgun and actually knowing that as soon as you step off of this property, you probably going to get shot to death. You are not that brave. I don't even like understand. Like I've seen so many niggas this week. Talking about how brave they are. <laughs> who who like I couldn't have been a slave. I would have nigga, you didn't even descend you descended from slaves. So you would have fucked with it. So just relax. Calm down. And somebody I don't know where the, <laughs> the These is fools, these is fools who won't even wouldn't even go around certain blocks for fear that the gang was gonna try and jump them in. But right. you think that but you think that you gonna go head up with master and the KKK. Like you calm down. No. And it's like for me, I think about like what I like one, it's like I have a, I think about like, I have a child. Like, there's a lot of shit I would put up with to protect my son. So, if you threaten my child's life, you are probably going to be able to get me to do a lot of stuff. If it came down to I had to pick some cotton to make sure that my son stayed with me and stayed in my presence and didn't get sold off and into God knows what. Yeah, I might, I might for sure pick some cotton to make sure my baby stays safe. Right. Yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a do that. I'm not like you know, but my ego's not big enough to pretend like I wouldn't. And I don't know where the phrase originated from, but someone got on Kanye's head because it's like Kanye talking about slavery is a choice, but his wife got robbed and he didn't do nothing. So well, there's that. He wasn't um, trying to play cowboy up in Paris when your wife got tied up and put in the bathroom, homeboy. So I mean, if like you would have been, been out here on well, that Turner shoot, you wouldn't. So, I mean, it, it there is so many different angles to actually approach this from. There is the whole slavery is a choice thing. Um, there's him trying to. I think the the part that got people fucked up was as soon as he challenged people in their free thinking. And I just before I get into that point, I just want to say that people talk about what they would and wouldn't do. However, if they were somebody like the the mother in Beloved who actually killed her children, whether or killed her child, rather, even though that's a fictional story, but just to think that a mother would rather to kill her child then actually have them be in slavery. Those are the type of things that mo- decisions that mothers have to make that people would then later on actually castigate them for. 
So that's a, I mean, there's so many different angles when you are talking about slavery and so many things that happened. But I think that when he started using the, the whole idea of being a free thinker, we are in an age right now, especially when you put it on the Twitters. I love saying the Twitters, especially when you put it on the Twitters, <laughs> people don't like for you to challenge whether or not they are a free thinker. And if you say, I think, I think that the sky is purple. And if you think it's not, you're not a free thinker. You just buying into what everybody told you that the sky is blue these motherfuckers will start saying you know what the sky is purple because they don't want to be seen as a non-free thinker like that's kind of the kind of shit that you are seeing on social media you there are these people i'm telling you right now slave choicers are the new flat a earthers there's a difference between free thinking and trying to argue against what we've proven to be correct, right? Like the flat earthers, right? Slave like, choicers are the new flat earthers. Like the earth is round, and we've proven that. And like, why would? But also, why would someone need to lie about the earth being round? Like, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would we need to argue about if slavery was a choice, nigga? If you get kidnapped and then forced into servitude. How that, was that a choice? That's, not a choice. <laughs> like, that's called doing it against your will. Arguing, so it's like niggas want to be like controversial because you know it's it's May, people are bored, schools <laughs> you know schools winding down. So it's like let me come back through and just start kicking shit over and being annoying because I want to look cool. You're not a free thinker if you try to challenge shit that we've proven that no one needs a reason to lie about. But I was. This is the. This is the only. This is the only. I wouldn't say saving grace, but one thing that we do have to acknowledge is that our kids are being raised in a fucked up ass educational system, where some of them literally consciously are thinking, "Well, what about this and what about that?" Well, I mean, if all you're getting is like a week or so, maybe in February to kind of sort of maybe learn black history and you have really you have textbooks that are being called out for their um revisionist version of what slave what slavery was and what black history is some of these kids really don't know what the hell they're talking about they really are getting all this shit from whatever they find on twitter and on facebook and from motherfuckers like I, uh, i've heard a lot of people who saying that that him along with Cosby, who we'll get to in probably about the next 25, 30 minutes, oh, has has really been I don't triggering is not the word. Kanye for a time for a lot of people was was a free thinker. Like that was like about five, six years ago. He was the, the one that they was calling a genius instead of Donald Glover. He was the one that was challenging, quote unquote. He never challenged my way of thinking. But to some of these other kids, he was the one that was challenging their way of thinking and making them think outside the box. Now this fool that was telling them to think outside the box is telling them to think all the way outside of what we know about black history box. And it's fucking some people up. Which is why we need to shut motherfuckers like him down. Um, Sister Courtney, because I know that, you you know, I want to get Sister Courtney and Greg because, especially Greg, I know that you listen to a lot of music. And you go, can, I'm not always, I'm a little bit a different type of critical about music than you are. So mm-hmm. even with like a Kanye, when people, I mean, I love original Kanye. I like, you know, the first albums. I love his his two albums that he did with Common. Um, to me, those were some of his best production work. I have personally never been one of them people who called him a genius of any sort. I just liked his music. Right. Right. So from a musician perspective, and I don't know, Courtney, if you've listened to the Scooby-Doo Doop song, 
what the fuck is going on from, from then to now with Kanye? Um, I need to listen to Scooby Doo because are you trying to scat or what is the problem? I need to listen to that. Speaking <laughs> um, in tongues, I don't know what your problem is. Um, but but I stopped listening to Kanye around um it wasn't even his song. I haven't listened to his music in a while. Um he his first couple of albums were great. I wouldn't say genius. I think well, I think B. Willis said that we are throwing around that word genius very freely. And some people are just talented, yeah. anointed, whatever you want to say, but you're not a genius. Right. Um, but he, he is very talented, very talented producer, very talented um writer. If he's if he's writing his own stuff, I'm gonna assume it. Um, but I think once you've gone into a odd place as a musician so when your life goes into an odd place i don't know when he entered this odd place when his mama this died. dark place this confusing place and i when his a mama strange passed, land. that'll make you spiral maybe it's a, a strange land uh, honey um he um he when your life goes into that area um like lauren hill what she starts spiraling when he, that, that man cheated on her whatever makes you spiral in your life your music is a reflection of your life it's kind of like feng shui in your house. My house looks a hot mess. And right now my life is a hot mess. Whatever's on the inside, baby's going to come out on the outside. And his mess is starting, your mess is starting to show. As Rachel said, your slip is hanging, baby, your slip is hanging. And you are confusing a, a whole lot of men. Let's start there. It's, for some reason, men want to hop on the bandwagon for it. I don't know why. But you can do the whole lot of men. We'll touch into people, that all during the Cosby conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby. <laughs> I, we'll I, I hope that. yeah. I'm gonna try to hold in. I'm gonna try to hold, hold in because it's amazing how you're talking about the ancestors, but Bill Cosby had also like to talk about the black community as well with his issues with them. It's a lot, but Kanye, he, he's he's spiraling. He's spiraling career wise, life wise, and sometimes when we're spiraling, I need your attention. Please see me. Please love me. Please pay attention to me. And so now he, he we got his he got our attention. How he can get it. So what Greg, what's your go ahead? I'm sorry, Courtney, go ahead. I hope that the genius or quote unquote genius that he used to be, at least the good producer that he used to be, comes back. I hope it does because his music was good. The first two, three albums, I still play him and cry a little bit. So I hope it comes back. Greg, what's what is your opinion going from, you know, uh what was his first H to the Izzo Kanye to Scoopy Loop Kanye? Well, H to the Izzo was wasn't really his first. That that wasn't his beginnings. Um, college dropout came out before that. Oh, okay. did it? Okay. Yeah, but I I just wanted to correct the record. I'm I'm not a musician. I produce. Okay. So I I don't have the exact musician's ear that every musician has. I want to make sure just to give that respect to musicians and away from myself. But um, with that record corrected. I, I'll say this. I appreciated Kanye's work, um, his ability to put together a full album. Uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was his last full album that I actually liked and thought was great. And it was more great <clears throat> because of how it was sequenced and how it was put together, how mm-hmm. it made me actually like Nicki Minaj when I didn't like her. Um, True. This is true. So, Same for me. 
Right. And I'll give it that. I'll give it those props. But Kanye's been Kanye was crazy and Kanye was all that before his mama died. So I don't think exactly. that's I don't think that's a fair and accurate way either to to give him that that credit, you know, or put this all on his mom dying. It, he was crazy before. Thank you. So, you know, he's always been a megalomaniac. He's always been an uh, an airhead and a jerk and an asshole. But it worked for him because he could back it up with his music. And now he's getting to the point where he can't back it up with his music and his music sounds like trash. So <laughs> yeah. we get we get into a point now where it's <laughs> like okay, poopity scoop, nigga. I like I mean, <laughs> I heard the, 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 the sample usage at first was kind of dope because and this is what we were kind of we were alluding to this earlier, Carolyn. I think I was talking with you about this. Um, or actually I was talking to my friend Mildred about it. He got that shit from Mad Lib. Mm-hmm. Yes. He, yes. He, 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 he trying to do the Mad Lib and the shit don't yes. work. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. And I'm like, dude, no. Mad Lib. Because he has never did. He has never did talking samples and stuff like that. Never. No, you're right. Yep. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell like when, that. Yep. No, that's okay. Because when, when Watch the Throne came out and he did Otis, you know, I was a little disappointed because there was some talking, some buzz that Kanye met with Mad Lib and Mad Lib was going to be working on Watch the Throne. There was some talk about that. Next thing I know, Mad Lib's not on the project, but I hear Otis. Mm-hmm. And I hear an Otis, I'm like, first of all, you got Mad Lib style and you called it after his real name. Yeah. Which which is, you know, it was an Otis, it was an Otis, um, what's his name? Otis Redding? Yeah. It was an Otis Redding sample. Yes. True. But Mad Lib's name is Otis Jackson Jr. So, and it was, it was kind of, it was a slap in the face to me that he called the joint Otis. Because that's Mad Lib's style. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it was. That was was Mad Lib's style that he kind of stole. And here's the thing. Mad Lib is such one of those people, he won't give out multi-tracks. Mad Lib only gives out the two tracks. And a lot of people that produce. Explain to us, they don't understand. What does that mean? Well, the multi-tracks are all the separate tracks that make up the song. So the kick, the snare, the hi-hats, the the bass guitar, the keyboard, all that's combined to make the two-track left left and right stereo mix that the everyday person hears. Mm -hmm. And when you're recording and you're doing the art and the music for technical reasons, separation, having those separate tracks makes it easier to clean, easier to sound sonically correct or get to the sound you want. But Mad Lib is a guy who likes it muddy, dirk, uh, uh, not dirk, I'm sorry, dirty, <laughs> uh, dirty, dank, dusty, filthy, kind of grungy sounding, lo-fi, and that's the way he'll mix it. And he'll give it to whoever, and you got to use it just like that, the two-track. So working with Mad Lib means you're not going to get the separated tracks. And a lot of different big name producers don't like that mm-hmm. because it takes away their control of the final mix. And it puts the control with Mad Lib because he's making sure his sound sounds the way he wants it to sound. But a lot of these cats want to try to go back and reverse engineer your shit and steal your snares and do this and do that. So they can use it for other shit without your permission. But Mad Lib is hip, so he 
he locks his stuff down. And when Kanye didn't actually have Mad Lib on Watch the Throne, I knew what happened without anybody even telling me. I was like, yeah, okay. He decided he didn't want to do it their way. And Mad Lib was like, my way or the highway, nigga. (laughs) Well, and my question is, didn't he, I mean, I remember he, at some point, they talked about how he would try to uh, work with back in the back, back, back in the day. Back when they was both still in Chicago, he would try and work with um with Common. And I think that's when Common had no ID doing all of his stuff. And next thing I know, and I'm, you know, I'm a production virgin. I don't really know. I just know what stuff sound like. You know, to me, his production, when he first came out, especially when he did Common, even though I loved it, it sounded like no ID stuff to me. I mean, I could be wrong. And so, and later it on, when, I, when no ID ended up doing all of 444, that's why it's it kind of all still flow because I mean if Jay was working with Kanye all this time, well Kanye, Kanye stole his sample swag from No ID. We getting into a whole m- music production rabbit hole, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I just I just say this: Kanye was never a hundred percent whack to me until this until these newer efforts like mm-hmm. Eight Oh Eight and Heartbreaks and um, the. The stuff he was doing with uh, the life of Pablo. Yeah, I, I thought I thought life of Pablo was garbage for a whole another reason, which I'll get into in a minute. But um, he, I never thought he was a hundred percent whack until those records, and I think he just basically got to this stage where his mania that he's always had low key has he gotten so to high. Out. Yeah. It's starting to really come out because his money is allowing it to come out. Well, also his living situation, like, and that's the other thing that I wanted to get into is we know that Kanye is in a get out situation. We we know this. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's so funny. Somebody had made a comment a couple of weeks ago about, hey, they were like, hey, y'all, y'all realize all the Kardashians got black babies. And I was like, holy shit. I said, well, they don't need Kanye's ass no more. And then next thing I know, Kanye's spiraling out of control. Like, to me, it's like this real weird thing. It's this real weird thing with the Kardashians. You know, they are very fascinated with blackness and black culture. And that's not weird at all. Well, I, you're right. Yeah, weird is not, it's not that's weird. That's like a common white people thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I won't say weird, but I think like, so they 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 so they real fascinated with black people and black culture, you know, ever going back to the OJ days, right? Um, right. but now I don't this is a hard for me, this is a hard conversation to have because I don't want to say feel like I'm projecting nothing negative on these babies, but to me, it represents something just weird and sinister with that fucking family. I yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You connect but you you connected Kanye them not needing Kanye anymore, quote unquote, because they have the black children. Do you think that he's spiral because I'm get somebody else is getting or somebody else is gonna leave me, somebody else is getting rid of me? I, I don't think that. I just I don't I don't think that's literally what happened. This is my hope. Why are we moving away from the get out theory that his brain has been taken over by a white man? No, I was about to get back to that. Because I was about to say what I was about to say to my sister that I don't think is that I think I think though that in some ways can we say that he might be I wouldn't say crying out for help but I mean maybe the same way that fucking Logan was screaming when somebody sh- uh, shined that camera in his face is this him screaming I don't know I'm leaving that no. to the panel I think no, I think right. Kanye I, I has, 
But see, like, so someone, what I also kind of, like, really hate about, like, Kanye obviously being, like, a complete loon prior to Donda dying, prior to being with Kim Kardashian, I feel like Kim, uh, first, like, first things first, Kanye is not her last Black husband. No. No. So there's that. But it's like Kanye was always kind of off anyway. And I, I I still think he would have the thoughts that he has, even if he would have like got married to Alexis back in the day and they would have had their black kids and he would have been living like a regular black is, man life. Is that the Delta everybody keeps talking about he should have went ahead and married the Delta? Is that her? No, he would have ruined Alexis's life. And I really feel like Kanye did black women a favor by not marrying <laughs> us. So okay. like, <laughs> he did us a favor. Like thank God. Like he's Alexis is probably living a really nice life wherever she is. She's like, yo, that nigga's wild like what was i gonna do with that like what am i gonna do with like like how how do you think that affects your relationship if you're a black woman in a relationship with a black man he's over here running around with donald trump like how do you think she how would she be dealing with that right now because she probably wouldn't be dealing with that right, right. You take your ass back to trump tower and spend the night there since you want to love the motherfucker so much you're not coming back into this house though with that rhetoric so it's like he saved her. He saved her life by choosing the white woman. He he did it. He <laughs> saved her. And and I so, told someone the other day, I said, Don't forget who uh Kanye West's mother in law is, and I'm not talking about Chris. Caitlin. Caitlin. Yeah. So what kind of con- what kind of conversations is he having with his with his mother in law? His mother in law number two, we'll say. What kind of conversations? I mean, who has always who was who was was always the Donald Trump proponent until you know some other shit happened and now she's questioning him but still a supporter what kind of conversations are they having over there in that household because i i firmly believe they all still live in the same way that jackson was living at havenhurst they all still living together up under each other so what kind of conversations was they having but, but can i just say this and i yes. know we i i know we like to talk about how black women can't be called on to save people or black men blah 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 yes but there's really something to be said about the relationship between a black man and a black woman and i'm not talking about a romantic relationship so i'm talking about whether the man or woman is gay straight trans whatever it is something to be said about the relationship between black men and black women and black people period and the implication that it has on how you on your blackness and how you yeah. carry out that blackness. Right. So, no, if he were to be married to Alexis, I don't think he would be going through this foolishness. If he had a more black women and more black men in his life, no, I don't think he would be go- going through all of this. Because black people just support each other in a way that white people cannot support us. And he That's is surrounded yep. by, not yep. only is he surrounded by white folks, but he's surrounded by white folks who do, I also believe, Carolyn, have a sinister thing when it comes to black people, black people and what they want to do to them yeah. i don't care like yes they're these celebrities or whatever but it's just the way they what happens to black people as they deal with them it's not just a coincidence anymore honestly so no <laughs> um yeah well so, i mean no i don't think he would be going through all this if he was not married to kim if he was not surrounded <laughs> by her family and all of that bullshit, if, if their spirits weren't intertwined after they did all that fucking and shit like that, like, no, I don't think he would be going through all of this. 
And if his mama was still alive, maybe he would be in a different place. But yeah, it's just I just think that when there's a lot more black people in your life, the way the way your life goes is much different than when you're surrounded by white folks. And, so. and to and to be Willis's point, maybe when we say that his life started down, it's probably when his mama died. It wasn't so much of it was his mama dying, but it was because she was the last true black woman influence that he had. So it wasn't so much her death, like oh my mama died, I'm crazy now. It was more she was the one that was keeping him. She was the port, and when she died, yeah. he didn't have the port. And then on top of that, he had the guilt on how she died. So. Can I also also say I think I might be the only one that's really just waiting for Kanye to admit that this is a publicity stunt. Cause and I have not, and it's really it's I don't want to say surprising because I'm trying to teach myself not to be surprised about how foolish adults can be these days. But it's a little like disconcerting how serious everybody is taking him, or like how s- these serious conversations that people are having because of what he's saying because it's like we've been here before like we he's done and said really outlandish things before to get a reaction and every time that follow was something that had to do with his career and his profession and uh, like i feel like i'm waiting for that but in the meantime it's annoying that people are actually having these legitimate debates about foolish things and then it's like showing what people really don't know about things that I feel like black folks should know about. You know, like slavery and all the machinations behind it and all of that shit. Like, I feel like those are things that we are supposed to know about. And it gets on my nerves when the black adults don't know this shit. And that is why I said that that we, one thing it showed me and that I keep telling people over and over and over again, our children cannot identify or deflect racism or defend themselves because the people teaching it to them are their oppressors. When all you have is the same people who we talk about be having white fragility and, you know, not being able to deal with their privilege are the same ones that's teaching our kids about slavery. When we have, you know, students coming up to black student union environments such as myself, talking to them about that ESU space being um, being segregation or being racist is because we don't have enough black educators. And I can, and I will say as a, a person who is 40 and only in their second year of teaching is because we don't even teach the value of educators to black students anymore. You know, I, I didn't fault the education profession for at least 10 years, which is why I got to take the CSET again in two months. <laughs> so yeah. Then there's that's a whole okay so you know what it's funny that you bring that up because it's a whole other conversation about why it's not a lot of people a lot of black folks teaching education that maybe we'll get into someday um we should have a teacher a, episode there's a it's a very valid reason behind that that if i go into it it'll just to be too long but um not saying that it's an excuse but it is a valid reason behind it well well um, i think that we ha- oh and i know there was one last point that i want to make to your point about it being a publicity stunt. I, I, You are not alone. I, too, believe that it's going to end up being a publicity stunt. I even think that scoopity tube 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 is a publicity stunt. I just think <laughs> that he, he... I personally believe that he will find that it is going to be the worst and poorest publicity stunt that he ever put out there. That's a, But it could... I mean, Donald Trump is president. So I could be completely wrong. But I think that he will... There, there are certain... You can take stuff so far. You can do so much. 
But when you start saying things like slavery is a choice, um, and you are in a position to actually, <laughs> right, you are in a position to actually influence children, and we have to actually then spend all this time and energy pushing back against you so that our children are not influenced. Creating lessons and teaching this right. shit that we shouldn't have that to That we teach. shouldn't have to. But Can I will anybody say... anybody come on your uh, statuses or posts or anything trying to have this conversation? Um, um, no, nobody's come at me, but I've sought out a couple of arguments which led to me making a post about white people trying to black explain blackness to me. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, uh, <laughs> I had to. That's had a to good one. Somebody. Black explaining blackness. That's right. That's what it is. I had to take down uh, a cat that tried to tell me Kanye wants the best for black people, which is why he said what oh he said. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, he was white, young white rapper. And I'm like, uh, first of all, no. Second of all, hell and to the fuck no. Third, here's why. And I broke it down and I told him who Kanye used to be. And it's like none of what I was saying was really heard. So I just left the argument and I blocked him. But I, I mean, I feel like this. I agree with a lot of what you guys have said so far about Kanye um only to only thing i'm disagreeing with again is this whoever he's been whoever he is um i'm not waiting for the other shoe to drop Mm. to see to see (laughs) if he's to see if he's if he's really if this is a publicity stunt you know fuck him publicity Mm, stunt i'm not i'm not waiting for the other side because while we while we waiting for his other shoe to drop, we still got to clean up the mess he created. Right. Exactly. And I, you know, I'm more focused on doing the work to help clean up the mess and get him, you know, get everything straight and just tell people, think for yourself and not listen to him. Because the more you give somebody energy and attention, the more they appreciate it and they don't and they keep feeding into the bullshit. Um, I, I don't was, understand that, though, honestly. Not in this day and age with social media. Yeah. I will say, like I said, I respect his artistry. I respect when he's made dope stuff. But at the same time, we're past that now. And he's not making anything that's really worth any time or attention. So he's trying to, you know, find a way to sell his little records. I will say this. I'll add this in that, that somebody told me that really disturbed me is that since this new turn of, of events has happened with Kanye, a lot of the so-called conservatives are trying to find his records. Yes. They they, they, they be disappointed. Girl, won't they be? <laughs> right. They, they so, listen to that college dropout album. They're gonna be real disappointed. Bro, 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 five bro. We ain't got it. <laughs> they gonna be so but fucked actually, up. you know what? They may not be because white people never know when shit is being talked about. When <laughs> That's true. With them. They, they don't never know when they being talked about. So they probably will love it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't though. Like they don't. They don't. Okay. They, they, they don't. They, they don't get the hint of the picture, huh? 
Mm-mm. Well, <laughs> if I may, I every time that we think about when I think about Kanye, I think about who he used to be, and I wonder if it's better for him to just shut up so we can just enjoy college dropout and late registration. And I think of this one clip from one of my favorite movies, um, High Fidelity, which is not only a good commentary on how I feel about if artists should stay or fade away, but it also segues into our next um, topic. So just just give me give about a minute and a half. Just Hold please. Really, really nice. It was just top class. Rob, top five musical crimes perpetrated by Stevie Wonder in the 80s and 90s go. Sub question, is it in fact unfair to criticize a formerly great artist for his latter day sins? Is it better to burn out than to fade away? Period of fucking throat. Jesus, he was gonna buy one record which we didn't even have and then leave and never come back again anyway. Not the point, what did he ever do to you? He offended me with his terrible taste. It wasn't even his terrible taste, it was his daughter's. Are you defending that ass muncher? Come on, Rob. You're going soft in your old age. Jesus. Now all of a sudden I'm offending your golf buddy. I'm going to tell you something for your own good, pal. That's the worst fucking sweater I've ever seen. It's a Cosby sweater. A Cosby sweater. Ah! He has ruined. Our next topic has ruined one of my favorite moments from one of my favorite movies. Because we have to. We must. The people are waiting for us to talk about. Bill Cosby, a Cosby sweater. (laughs) So, again, for those who have been under a rock, Bill Cosby was convicted of, I don't even know what the official name of the conviction is. I don't care. It was sexual assault, rape, something. I don't know which one it was. It was 60 women who accused him. I don't know which one it was that was in this case. Or which one he was convicted of. But he was convicted of something. And in the same way that Kanye has brought out all the slave choicers. The conversation about Bill Cosby has brought out all the rape splainers. All the toxic masculines. All the... I say Bill Cosby has done for black uh, toxic masculinity. What 45 did for white conservatives and uh, white liberals. It's told you who is who and what is what. It has helped you clean up your Facebook and your Instagram and your Twitter friends list. Um, and I also read, before we got on the show, and I'm going to see if I can bring it back up, he's getting ready to have his sentencing. They finally, um, where is it? They finally, I think, scheduled the sentencing. I can't find it. Oh, here it is. What day did they say that the sentencing is going to be? I know they're talking about all the security that's going to be there. Does it give us the exact date? It does not give us the exact date, but he is facing 10 years um, for each charge. He was found guilty for uh, three counts of aggravated indecent assault. Yeah, right. He's facing 10 years for each charge. He was released for a million dollars bail and instructed to remain within his home until sentencing. And I was wrong. They haven't given the actual date. They're just talking about the logistics of what sentencing is going to look, look like. Once again, I don't have an actual question about Bill Cosby to ask anyone. I'm just going to call you by name and let you let loose your thoughts. I'm going to start with Sister Courtney. Your thoughts on the conviction of Bill Cosby and all the people that you may have had to block, delete, and all that good stuff since the conviction. Go. I'm going to be transparent and honest. Oh, Lord. I got a conviction and they had way less evidence on me. So if he did, if they got evidence and he did it, then you <laughs> I would like to say nothing. Just go ahead, finish talking. You got a conviction. 
Girl, probation was over. What was you convicted of? What was you convicted of? It was, it was a, a sex crime. <laughs> oh. oh, wait, what? Are you are you on the registry? <laughs> no, I'm not. That's part of my deal. I am. Not. Hello, hello, hello. Is she? Did she go? I don't know.
This is apparently part of a documentary that came out last year on BBC that I missed out on and I didn't know about. But Lily Bernard in that one minute clip says so much about what Bill was to her mm-hmm. and how he how he tried to groom her and set her up only to try to rape her mm-hmm. and success mm-hmm. and Look. successfully raped her. And side note, hold on to that, uh, Greg. Lily Bernard was she was actually on the Cosby Show, and she played. There was this one character who was just like this ditzy woman. It was like in season five or six. Mrs. She never made it on the show. I thought she played Mrs. Lily. Was it? I'm at the look her up. No, Lily Bernard never made it. She was okay. supposed to be on. He was supposed to be creating this role for her and all of that, which was why he was grooming her. But she never actually made it to the show. Yeah, it must have been. It, it must have been. A, it must have been another clip with another woman because there was the woman who played. Well, oh, what was Mrs. Uh, Lily something? I forgot. She was a ditzy woman. There were other. There were other women, but just as a also as a footnote, not to throw us off, but slight footnote: the woman that was caught at the court. At the um, at the court proceedings, naked, topless. Uh huh. She was a young girl that was actually on the show. Yeah, she played uh, Rudy's friend. She played friend. one of Vanessa's. She played one of Rudy's Rudy. or Vanessa's yeah. friends. And to see her picture, I'm like, oh my god, I remember her. Somebody like, was topless at the courthouse. He raped her. Yeah, she was. She was topless, <laughs> and she had her body painted with a whole bunch of uh, uh, slogans about. You know, Cosby is this, Cosby is that. She hid and in the yeah, bushes, and then when he when he walked up, written on her body. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. Said, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really that was really hectic for me. I'm like, whoa, that w-. she was such and such. Oh my god, like it was that was pretty deep for me. Side um, note, Lily Bernard. Yeah, she was. I'm, I brought it up. I'm playing right here. She was actually. I cannot remember the name of the of the lady. She was a pregnant um lady yeah, she on the show. Pregnant, she yeah, kept getting pregnant. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna bring it up I'm right here. Up um, where is it? Here it is. Wait, here it is. Because I remember hearing it before when that when the documentary came out. That was so the Eric Alexander. That was what? The Erica Alexander year. That was right. This was when they actually because remember when it first came on, they never would show him actually doing much work. And towards them last right. years, they whenever they want to get somebody on the show, they would have them oh. play a patient. And so wait, here it is right here. Yeah, I see it. She was uh <laughs> Minifield, I told you Mrs. To Minifield. when the yes. contractions are eight minutes apart. I know, but they jumped from ten to four. <laughs> yeah, that was that was her. Yeah. All right, go ahead and finish really? your thought, Greg. That, that was, was her. her. Yep, that was her. I gotta go back and look at. She that. was on there, that. and it's funny because you, when I watched that that clip, that you're right. In the clip, she says she never made the show, but I was like, I know she was on the show. She played Mrs. Minifield. And pass, then, pass me that clip real quick. Can you give me the link? In, in I, I the, am. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the girl who who um was painted, she actually played when Vanessa, not Vanessa, when Rudy and them were um having that issue where Bud was trying to get a date. She was the little girl that they were trying to get to date Bud. Oh, okay. This shows this shows how much I watched the Cosby Show. Which is great. (laughs) Because in all all truth, the Cosby show impacted a lot of us very hard because it was a very important thing. It was a very big show. 
Right. Um, so I understand. But just just to wrap up my thoughts on it, I I hope they end up putting him under the jail. And I'm okay with whatever they do to Bill at this point. Um, I, I at first I was sad for Camille, but now I'm realizing. Jeez, that's but now I because I realize now that upon Bill's death, which is probably going to happen in, within the next five years, because once he gets to jail, it's going to kill him. Right. Somebody gonna somebody gonna rape the shit out of him. Right. But uh once once he actually dies, Camille stands to be a very rich woman. Well, um, you know, to me, Camille is so funny. Somebody uh, not somebody, the what was the name of that comedian that did the White House correspondence <laughs> joke? Uh oh. Um, whatever her name was, Michelle Wolf, and she called Sarah Sarah Huckabee, um, Miss Lydia from The Handmaid's Tale. Well, if Sarah Huckabee is Miss Lydia, to me, Camille is them wives holding down these women so they can get pregnant. Because to me, I am not convinced that Camille didn't know anything. To me, I think she knew. I'm not oh, I'm not convinced child. that she... I, I, at least once. We can't, we had we had this conversation on, on Facebook. On Facebook, yeah. Camille's ass wrote out so many checks. She she, she gave out the so hush money. Women to the abortion right. clinic over the past years. You I will argue someone down to the ground if they try to convince me that bitch did not know. And no, she, know, on top of that, I, no I my elders. I respect my elders, but that bitch gotta go because that dissertation <laughs> she wrote on her raggedy rapist husband. Where she connected him to Emmett Till. Right. Bitch, if you don't go to hell with well, that shit. Look, to me, even to not hell. only when did she do that? That was a couple of days ago. And she posted it on his Facebook page. He's been railroaded and he, <laughs> bitch, he had a baby on you and he had a baby on you because he drugged the woman and raped her with no protection. Shut up. Don't talk to me about your husband. Just be quiet. If you but, don't want to come out and defend him, don't come out and tell me that 61 women have some type of reason to be lying on your raggedy ass husband. And he, I got to talk about this with y'all because Bill Cosby doesn't like black people and he doesn't like his own black. No. And there's layers to the reason why he raped a bunch of white women. Yeah. He, I mean, he is no different. He is no different since we talked about the Kardashians. He is no different than OJ Simpson. They are the same exact person from the same exact generation. And Camille, not only is she the woman oh, that will, really? yeah, she not only is she the, the woman that will give you hush money and take you to the abortion clinic. I firmly believe that at least once she had brought a woman into the in there, and I'm not convinced that she ain't participated at least once. She is way more in involved in this than she will ever tell anybody. And if I was her, if if I was her, I would shut up. And she, and before they end up small villain her and, and calling her in and indicting her on a fucking sex ring, if I was her. But can I can I can I do this? Can I be a free thinker for a moment? Sure. I I think one. I think they have a white marriage because Camille Cosby gives me lesbian vibes. Don't know why she always did. Ooh. So I'm just very kind of queer about her. So I feel like that's why the shit about him having the affairs never bothered her. I felt like that was their thing. He w needed to be with a black woman as much black as he wanted because there was no way for him 
to he be wouldn't with. have got where he, he see he wasn't like a Harry Belafonte he was still darker skin he still very much is un you know undeniable look at him in black. the seventies look at him in and let's do it again that was a Negro with that with that beard. That was What'd a Negro. Say? I said, look at him in the 70s. Look at him in, oh, in yeah. Uptown Saturday Negro. Night. He wasn't going to get him. And see, he's not uh, not that attractive as, as a man. And it's not that because he's undeniably black. He just, he's not that cute. See, like, OJ was brown, but OJ was cute. So it's a difference. Cause, and then <laughs> when, white women likes OJ because right. he was athletic. He wasn't that athletic and he wasn't that cute. So he couldn't get him a white woman. So he got him Camille. But see, Camille was on the down low. But she needed a black man to be married. To. Oh my God! I would, I would like wait. to, I would like to add to that. I don't think that he couldn't get a white woman. I think that he wanted one, but he knew that he shouldn't get a white woman. I believe no, that he couldn't get. He couldn't get the type of white woman that he wanted. Probably right, and but I think that they had more of a situation when he once he really had money. But then he was married, and then it's like, damn! If I break up with Camille, run off with a white woman, that was gonna ruin his, his facade. You know, but I think it wasn't. Black. It wasn't about him not being able to get a white woman. It was he was more of a. I mean, honestly, let's talk about it. They had it in King in the Wilderness, so we are gonna talk about it. He did the same thing Martin Luther King did. Martin Luther King had him a white woman, but he could not hit Daddy King would have never Daddy King black man. That was not going to happen. So he got him a light skinned black woman. Same thing Bill Cosby did. So I don't think it's about he especially in the 70s. Bill Cosby could have found him. So I mean, I, it wouldn't have been like you said, the white woman he wanted. He could have found him the white woman that he a, a white woman. He had been married to Camille then for several years. He right. wasn't. You know, anytime a black man, look at Jesse Williams. He was all oh, Jesse Williams, woo, woo, woo. Now he done left his, what appears he's left his black wife to be with a white woman. Now he's canceled. So Bill knew he would get immediately canceled amongst black people if he left his little beige wife for a white woman. He, You can't do that. OJ got canceled. OJ got canceled by black women a long time ago. They just act like, oh, no, it's cool. No, we cancel OJ. It's fine. We don't have to talk about it. Family-reunion-conversation. <laughs> That we defend, 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 defend. And that is what we, so in that respect, yes, we did reclaim OJ so that we could defend him when he went on trial. We did. We absolutely did. And we, and the only I, thing that's I, different is we didn't do that for. Black women, amongst the black women that I were around, my mom was pretty obsessed with that case. We, I've met Johnny Cochran twice for some reason. And so. It was ne it never appeared to me that my mom thought he was innocent. She was more so watching the trial as a spectator because there was a lot going on and there was all these different moving pieces and it, the intersection of of gender and race and the uh, history of of race in America. It was a good show, but I never got watch that documentary about OJ specifically. 
Watch the that documentary about really... OJ and watch the especially the two episodes that are the most important. It's an amazing documentary, especially episode two. Because episode two really talks about his own issues with blackness. So when Jay-Z talks about I'm yeah. not black, I'm OJ, pretty much that's the theme of that yes. whole episode two. But that episode three goes into, of course, the trial. But it really digs into how black people, how we dug our heels in to defend OJ. And the reasons why we did so. Because let's be honest, there but, were reasons. But, but it's it's really it wasn't it wasn't it it was our choice to do so, but it was a choice that was exploited by Johnny Cochran. Yeah, and yes. honestly was trying to be exploited by what's her face on the other side? The, the uh, white Marsha woman? Clark. I forget her name. Yes. It's just that she she underestimated how much black women identify with their blackness rather than their womanhood. Their, yes. And Donnie Cochran did not underestimate that shit. So he it it was a choice, but he he exploited that because he knew black women would ride a die for OJ if he could put his blackness back on display. And so. really in, in this point in the Bill Cosby trial is that they thought they could do it again. They thought that they could pull a Johnny because Johnny Cochran did work. Even if you don't watch the, the the documentary, you can watch um not this not this TV series, but there's another fictional fictionalized film um about it, and they talk about the moment where Johnny Cochran realized how to play how to play the race card the right way. And they mm-hmm. talked about the work that he did to make that race card work that the the white even the white um, defense ter- team couldn't do because he wasn't the lead defense attorney at first. It wasn't until he figured out how to play the race card that he became the lead. Um, but they, and they thought they could do this again for Bill. And I mean, in this era where people are now speaking out and people are learning about the intersectionality of their identities, it doesn't work anymore. So. Yeah. I wanted to throw I wanted to throw something in there, Courtney, that to kind of go along with the point you made. I I haven't heard this lesbian theory. That's new to me. Um, <laughs> and I it gives me lesbian vibes. I and that's okay. I think that's actually a good point that I didn't consider. But the point that I have been thinking about for the longest when it came to Camille as to why she was what she was or what she's been doing is I just calculated. I went look on Wikipedia and saw her age. She's 74. Yes. Yeah. And black women from that era were very, very beat down by their men Mm -hmm. to the point Mm -hmm. where they were beat into submission into going with whatever their men did right, wrong or indifferent. She comes from a different era where, you know, the wives were getting beat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if they didn't agree, they got beat some more. So mm-hmm. I don't know if she's a battered wife that just agreed with whatever he said. Wow. Yeah. But I, as as I happened to look at her Wikipedia page, I noticed, <laughs> this is fucking me up. Her maiden name is Hanks. Mm. Claire Hanks yes. Huxtable. Wow. Girl. And I, you know what? I knew that, and I forgot. But I yep. did not know yep. that. I knew I it, and I forgot. I have to touch on some things about her age that I think also people didn't realize. Now, Camille Cosby comes from like a very well-to-do Black family. Her parents are very beige as well, and like we're both college-educated. So she comes from one of those well-to-do um very uh very 
middle-class bourgeois black families. Like, they're, she's like a distant cousin of Abraham Lincoln's mom type of shit. And Tom Hanks, obviously. Yeah, so, right. So they're, like, very well-to-do. So she's in college when she meets Bill Cosby, goes on a date, they fuck with it or whatever. She drops out at 19 to marry his ass. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, you, the daughter of two well-to-do college graduates, you fucking drop out of school and this is no disrespect and this is gonna come off a little anti-black and i recognize that to marry some nigga from philly like that's what you're doing right now like for what though but like for what like what does she need to marry him for it wasn't like she you know a lot of women got married for they could have support because it's like back then you didn't work, but she was obviously well on her way to having a career. Her mother had a career. Her father had a career. They were setting her up to be, you know, uh, you know, independent. Like she might've, you know, stopped working after she got married like later on, but she was very well on her way to finishing college and probably doing some things before she got married. And so I don't really understand. Like that doesn't even make sense. Maybe it's to because me. she was his first victim. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Huh. I, agree, I agree with that. I I definitely agree with that. Mm. And that's that's kind of, that's kind of what I was tapping on earlier is that she essentially was his first one of his one of his first victims fell fell for the disco biscuit as we like to call mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Cuz uh that I don't know if you remember that Carolyn. Did you see that that transcript from his lawyer? No, I didn't. His lawyer called the pills disco biscuits. Yeah. I was about oh, come on. Are you here? Oh my God, I, I died, I I died laughing. I thought that was so funny. They they actually thought they were going to get an innocent convention. Uh, By calling them a disco convention. biscuit. Right. Anyway. Well, because they keep trying to play that. I, I don't want to say play, play the notion. I mean, they keep, we, there's always this conversation about the way the scene was in the 70s. We know the way the scene was in the 70s, but that doesn't make the way the scene was in the 70s right. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people died, like in Boogie Nights when not Boogie is it Boogie Nights? No, in '54 when that lady died on the floor in '54. I mean, I'm sure that was fictional, but that shit happened. Like, so you can't you can't play up. Oh, that's how the way that it was. Okay, well the way that it was was fucked up. Because what they're trying what they're trying to play into is like it was like how it was socially acceptable once upon a time to slap the shit out of your wife or your kids in public and you just minded your business. It was once upon a time socially acceptable to To drug drug someone, wait for them to fall asleep, and then penetrate them without their consent. And that's totally okay. But also, what he was actually convicted of was in the situation between him and Andrea Constant, what happened in 2005 after we already know that, that drugging okay. and raping people is no longer appropriate and it's not just about the party scene like he was doing this shit well into the 2000s after we've had you know say no to drugs and all these issues with after, going, well, well after Anita Hill already had this conversation yes. and this nigga was still doing the shit because that's just that's just in his DNA I and mean just because something is, is rape tablets just because that's something is historical Historically correct does not mean it's right. Slavery is historically correct, since we already talked about it. It's historically correct. Ain't nobody out here except for maybe Kanye and 45 going to say that it was, well, no, some other conservatives too, that it was all right. 
So, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm sitting here looking because we looked at because like, he was doing it well into after we had recognized that it wasn't appropriate anymore to have sex with an unconscious person. So it's like you telling me in 2005 it was still he, he wasn't at a party with Andrea. He was having dinner with her at his home and slipped her something and then raped her at his house when she thinks she's coming over for dinner, which is what also what people do like in academia like they have you know you go to dinner you schmooze you have cocktail parties you know to to you know try to get funders in and you know fundraising and all the shit so it's like stop acting like oh well this was all happening in the step no nigga he was doing this shit like not even a full 20 years ago and he's old like he still was doing this shit at 60 that's because you that's want nasty. to and that's because you're good at it and you're comfortable doing that type of shit and you're a like, nasty you old man you're a nasty old man how you don't slow down raping people once you old that's just terrible but I also so looking terrible. at his wikipedia page and and her wikipedia page you know we talk about Camille you know obviously <laughs> being the inspiration for, for Claire Hanks Huxtable um, and how she came from a very well-to-do family. Well, Bill himself actually came from a very working-class family. Um, he was the father or the the um, his mother was a maid. His father was a mess steward for the U.S. Navy. So really, um, in the show, Heathcliff wasn't necessarily well. They never really said if it what his. I think all their parents were working class, but you always got kind of an air that her parents were a little bit more uppity than his parents were. And I think part of me believes that, you know, the Cosby show was really a play on what he wanted in marrying her and what he wanted in marrying into that type of family. And when they had actually the article that was written and it was called Cliff Huxtable was Bill Cosby's sickest jokes. Um, and it starts off with if a sexual predator wanted to come up with a smokescreen for his ghastly conquest, he couldn't do better than Cliff Heathcliff Huxtable. Which is about right. Can I, can I throw this out there real quick? Yes. I think I think something that gets forgotten that most of us haven't really thought about is Cliff Huxtable was his second experiment into Cosby as a thing. Because mm, the, fir- yeah. the first Cosby show, he was a gym teacher. Mm. And in the first Cosby show, which I saw, um, my sister had the DVD set years ago, and I saw a couple of episodes. Robert Cope was in it with him. The first Cosby show, he was a gym teacher, and that show flopped hard. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't get the numbers that the eventual Cosby show in 84 did. Right. Him being a doctor and Claire, and Claire being a lawyer. So I think that him going for the doctor thing as a Cliff Heathcliff Huxtable was more of a money draw, mm-hmm. I think. And I think it I think they did that to try to make more, you know, to try to show he could be more, you know, uh, money successful along with his wife, not making less than his eventual wife. So that's that's because he, he was single. In the first Cosby show, but in that second one that we know of, that we love and revere, you know, he, with Claire, he was a family with Claire man. In. Yeah, he was a family man. And I think they needed some type of a position for him 
to really be, which is sad to say they didn't think he could make enough as a teacher. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, right. That says somehow much about how much they pay teachers. <laughs> I mean, there's the, the interesting thing about the Kylie show, the first um, when the first allegation started becoming, well, I shouldn't say started coming out because that's been going on for a while. But after what was the name of the, the comic who started Hannibal Burris? So yeah, when, all, Burris, when yeah. all of that went down, one of my friends started writing this series and it was called The Death of Cliff, Cliff Huxtable. And it was really about turning a lot of the, the standard things that we know about the the Cosby show and about the Huxtables inside out. Um, it, 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 it took a comedic, well, no, because it wasn't funny. We'll say comedic anyway, a sarcastic turn on why Cockroach left. Um, it, it, it had him, so the whole series was about Heathcliff dying and all the family's reflections on their lives and the people around them after he died. Um, and there's this one scene that she does where Cockroach comes back to the house after Heathcliff has died and he talks about the real reasons that we, that he left. He left because, um, Claire always looked down on him and talked down to him. Um, he talked, he, I forgot what the reasons was with Dr. Huxtable. Dr. Huxtable never really had that as much interaction with him as Claire, but it really talked to, it turned what a lot of things that we thought were teaching people to be respectable on their ear to see the sinister sides of them. Um, especially with characters like Vanessa. Um, because if you look back at the Cosby show as an adult, you realize some of the things that may have actually fucked you up about the Cosby show. Like, I know, like, the Cosby show came out when I was five. It came out the year after Motown 25. It came out in 84. Um, and for me, it was my favorite show, but in a way, it kind of fucked me up because I was never going to have that life because my, my father and my mother also separated that same exact year. So a lot of things about our life were the complete opposite of the Cosby show. And there was no way that that was going to happen. And as a child, you try and do some of the things that you see them do in the show. Like, I ain't never knew no black person answer the phone talking about uh, the Huxley residence. But a couple of times I tried to do that. That didn't work. I tried. It, it, didn't, I, work. it didn't work out. You know, so there are a lot of things. <laughs> My if grandmother you, answers the phone like that. Does she really? Oh, good for her. Yeah, she answers the phone and says Jackson residence. Well, I, there were there are a lot of things when you look at it, you see where the they were where he was trying to teach respectability long before um, the pound cake speech. You know, as a child growing up in the Baptist church, who who we all know is super churchy, it always struck me as weird that they would go to church when they went to church, but they would go to church and wasn't nobody talking, everybody quiet. The choir just standing there, the preacher talking all low. I said, what is this? I had not yet run into respectable Negroes who went to quiet churches. So, I mean, <laughs> I hadn't, it was weird. It was, and really nobody did that on TV until um, Family Matters did it. No black family actually went to, no, amen, I take it back. Even amen was a little bit more respectable. Amen was like somebody senior choir. They didn't really do much. So it wasn't until Family Matters did I, I, it. I have a question. This is for Courtney. Um, did you like? I don't want to say did you watch the Cosby Show because I'm pretty sure you did. But what I'm finding is that like people maybe our age or younger or somewhere in that sweet spot between 30 and 35 don't have this connection to the Cosby Show that older people have. Because I don't. Like I I don't. I, I remember watching the Cosby Show, and I do remember loving it. How old but are I you? Don't have but you this, were born I don't in '89, right? Of, I don't have this struggle of separating Bill Cosby from uh, Bill Huxley. Well, I don't I have, have that struggle. But wait, how, how old are you? 
I'm 30. What year were you born? We're both turning 31 next month. What year were you born? 1987. So you were were born when it was in its downslope. Yeah. You were born in season four, five. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I watched... What I remember watching was A Different World. My parents, I remember that being... Yeah, I remember that. But I also didn't have a connection with that like that either, so... (laughs) That was like 89 to 93. So, like, I remember all of that. But, like, the person who... Like, I didn't grow up, like, watching The Cosby Show. And, like, I don't remember it being, like, a thing in our house. Are you okay? Well, see, here's the thing you got to think. And this is one time I have to call, you know, I have to put the age on the carpet. Because number one, yes, you were born when the show was in its downslope. Um, you so that means a lot of the a lot of the pinnacle moments that people hold up for the Cosby Show and things things that people remember, you weren't even born yet for. You know what I'm saying? So you like. But I mean, that also doesn't mean I haven't seen it. Well, no, but see, but it's different. (laughs) It's it's different for a lot of reasons, and I'm gonna tell you why. Number one, because the Cosby Show came around in a certain time. It came around. It came around. The only thing that we had before the Cosby Show, which are shows that I love. We had different strokes. Uh, we had give me a break. Good times, right? It, good times had already went off, but it had just no good times, right? And we had the Jeffersons. That was the closest that we had to the Cosby's before uh, the Cosby Show came on. Was the Jeffersons? So it, number one, it came on a particular time. That particular time in pop culture has its own capsule, which is why we have the term extenio. That eighty, that like eighty three, when Michael Jackson moonwalked all the way to about the really the bad album didn't come out to what Greg eighty seven, eighty eight, has its own particular time capsule. That's when um, the moonwalk happened. That's when Cosby Show happened. Different World came about three years later. It didn't even get good until around the time that y'all were born. So that was you kind of missed it. And reruns weren't then what they are now. So it was kind of one of the things that when you didn't see things in the first run. You you miss kind of all the magic of it. Now, I personally, I said this to my friend as well. I, even as a person who didn't grow up with a father in the home, do not have the type of connection with Cliff where I'm just devastated by what's happening. But I do have the connection to the show. Um, I'm still not devastated. This but This is my issue with like using Cliff Huxtable as like a proxy for missing black fathers. Can I just say, and maybe I'm being insensitive because it's like, my dad was around, he's around, he's a good grandpa and shit. I just think that's hella fucking weird. I think that's really fucking weird that like, well, what- you're having issues understanding that this person in real life, like, I feel like if you want to use the Cosby show and it's like you aspire to have that type of family with with uh with one another and be that type of dad yourself you're a man that's fine but the fact that it's like you're not able to realize that people are actors and that people in real life do shitty things i feel like as an adult especially if it's like we're talking about older adults who went grew up with the coffee so should we talk about people who are in their 40s are having like some type of that shit is weird for me. I don't understand. It's weird, but I think that we then we have to get into we got to get into the crack era. We like you you can't discuss the effect of the Cosby Show and not robustly discuss the crack era because that was the but same. It, I mean, like, they're one in the same. How are you still having an issue separating the fact that a person this is a character? And if you want to love a character, that's fine because Heathcliff wasn't raping people. Right. Bill Cosby 
is raping people. Right. Cliff would never do no shit like that. Bill Cosby would. For right. Sure. But Cliff is a completely, he's a character. And I, you know, granted, he's not real, but you can still love a character and what it represented and realize that in real life, Bill Cosby's trash. I mean, I, I relied on both sides of those of that argument because, like I said, I don't have a problem separating it. And I've talked to a lot of people like, why can't you make that connection? But at the same time, I, I do fully understand what, you know, Bill Cosby or what Heathcliff Huxtable meant to them. I just don't understand wh- why that switch can't be turned off. So I think that you know, there is room in that discussion to say, why can't you make that, that, or make that disconnection? That's absolutely true. That's something that I fight people, at least, especially when the, the conviction first came down, was fighting every single day. But at the same time, I understand how it impacted our communities at that time. You know, when I say that was when Nancy Reagan was still doing just say no campaigns and popping up on TV, people's TV shows, you know, when people was literally just laid out in the, in the streets with needles in their arms and still like, this is shit that was really happening. So for a lot of people, that was all they had. I mean, I didn't, we were in Louisiana. We didn't see our crackheads very much. Our crackheads was, <laughs> we did, we did. They was out in the trailer park somewhere. We didn't see them. But for I know for a lot of the folks who I grew up with, once we came to California, he was a different, they were a different kind of important to them. So I, I give them a little bit of give. I just wish that they would finally make that connection and be like, okay, it's two different people. So. What, did, what did you realize about when you came to California? Well, the, the culture and everything was, it was different from where we were in Louisiana to where we came in California. You didn't see crackheads and stuff in the street in Louisiana, but our grandfather was on the police force. So we had a very intimate connection to the drug um, culture and just say no, because honestly, you know, our grandparents had two houses that were firebombed um, because of their work with drugs in the Louisiana community. But like, you never saw it there the way you saw it when we came here. Like that was some seeing homeless people on the street and stuff. That was something completely different for us. You know, in Louisiana, you don't put your crazy family members out on the street. They just live in the back of the house with TV on or something. Out here, they was just out in the street. That was com- completely, that was a culture shock for me when we moved out here. To this day, systemic racism in the South looks much different than it does it in other parts here. of the country. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's something mm-hmm. way different. Like people don't have, you know, the money to put they they people who need like services in home that they need to be in a home. But it don't matter because all they're going to do is put them out on the porch. And you just know that that's oh, that's Jim. He'd be out there. He, he'll go in at nine o'clock when when the Cosby show come on. What that's eight o'clock. He'll go in the house <laughs> like that's that's what it looked like out there. I mean, my, my problem with Cliff Hustable and Bill Cosby is, is that I. I've learned in my older age that even good people do fucked up stuff. Good fathers do fucked up stuff. I had to learn that in dealing with our family that good people do fucked up stuff. So he could could have been raping people. We don't know. He just happened to be a good dad on TV. That's a point. Because we all we know is what we saw. Right. Because all we you right. All we know is what we saw. Damn. And he had that secret door. Remember you said that secret door? Courtney, you done fuck people up. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Hey, you're right. Because it's like, what the, I mean, 
I don't know. I just, it's like, I just need, and then everyone keeps talking about, this is ruining his legacy. No, it's not. No, it's not. Camille has said some bullshit like that, too, in the letter. Felicia Rashad said it, but you notice that she ain't said nothing since the conviction. They had learned somebody told them to shut up. You know what? Because Felicia actually got a career still. Yes. She's doing shit. She was on Empire, you yeah. know, and, and, and I believe she's going to come back in the night. Yeah. On Empire, she's playing like an evil version of of Claire Huxtable. She really yeah. is. Wait, wait, wait. Let's 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 take a quick second to discuss how lazy Empire's writing is. Oh shit! <laughs> like, Here we go. Here we go. I, oh my god! I got all my life when Cookie called her a fake ass Claire Huxtable. What? See, that's that's some lady met- shit. When when Mike Epps was on Star, he said. You, she said, "You going around fucking a dude that like Mike Epps? He do look like Mike Epps. He Mike Epps, bitch. <laughs> wow. That's Michael. <laughs> uh, don't do like white folks, cause that's like that's like how they did uh, Julia Roberts in what Ocean's Twelve. Yeah, bitch, you gonna play yeah. Julia Roberts? You are Julia it's, Roberts. Like, this is some lazy ass plot writing right here, but okay. Yeah, it's lazy. <laughs> but I mean, uh, aside from aside from the comedy of that. I think people, this is going to be, um, for me, a thing where people will have to separate the man from their art. Yeah. Right. They're going to have to. And Cosby is the biggest example because he left a great body of work. Fat Albert. I'm still looking for all the Fat Albert episodes on DVD. Um, I want that because I never really got all the way into it like I should have when I was younger and I want to now as an adult go back and revisit that stuff but Fat Albert, um, Cosby Show and A Different World all three were excellent shows well that's because he was just a face that's like he, was, he wasn't the yeah. creative forces, he wasn't the writers even with A Different World the, the original concept flopped that's Debbie Allen doing that. the success of that series belongs to Debbie Allen so mm-hmm. that's why we have to separate the. I mean, it 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 will go away for a while. You know, you are gonna have like the bounce TVs that's gonna cancel for a while because they they need to make that separation. But things that get canceled always come back. So that's true. People just need for now. People need to just eat. If you have to watch the Cosby Show, just get you the DVD and watch it without telling nobody or something. But for right now, so. <laughs> culture so. the culture needs the separation because people are having too much of a hard time with it. I mean, for me, like I said, Cosby got me into jazz. Yeah, so right. I, and I, so I can't discount that. I mean, that's that's a huge part of that legacy, and I can celebrate that without celebrating his. Yeah, uh, right. Rufy having ass. You, you can, can celebrate that, when, that, when Betty Carter was on there, and Nancy Wilson was yeah. on there, and, Joe, and Sam and Sims, and girl with Joe Williams right. playing Claire's daddy. Yeah. And Joe singing. Williams, yeah, and singing. I, you know, I just got hip to um, the Cannonball Adderley musical that he was working on for John about John Henry mm. called Big Man. I just got hip to that now that Randy Crawford debuted in. Yep. So, or when I'm, they this, when they had the auction for um, a night in Tunisia, like I still, I, that's God, still my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I found that recording. I have it. Oh. 
You mean it's, is it digital? I found it. Yeah, it's it's in, it's on digital. It's, it's called the Quintet. I have it. I, I can okay. send you the MP3. Yeah, because I was that. looking for it. The original Night in Tunisia that they did on that show. You, you ever dance with an old fool? I oh. thought that was so great. How Claire went back and got that record with the guy going three hundred. But the only thing that's creepy, like there, but there are things that are creepy, like watching him and Claire. It was too creepy to me. I watched it the other day, and it was creepy. It was this, or really? it was a, yeah, it was, a, and then there was a scene where uh, this was the episode when Theo and Justine had started living together again, or living together, and he found Justine's uh, underwear in the laundry, and he like, I know that this is not true. It, there's that's why we need the separation because it, it's it's too creepy right now. It's 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 Wait, too much. My question, my question is because you know when y'all sitting here talking, I get real quiet. Cause, you know, I'm not an intellectual like y'all too much. So I'm sitting here going through the internet. If, if the fans are need to separate the man from the art, Lily Bernard's professional acting reel, mm-hmm. her first scene in the reel is Mrs. Minifield. Right. So they're saying, well, if, if he's a predator, then she shouldn't have it. At, why is your predator on your reel? Da, da, da. That's my career. I still need, is that the reason why the woman didn't say anything? This is my career. I, I still need that real. I still need that validation that I I what I am an actress and I do good work. So should they have to separate their their situation from their craft? She gets to make that determination. She is the one that was the victim. She like we can't tell her when to separate anything. She she is the one that was a victim, and if she says this is my work and I'm claiming this work that I did, then you know that is her her definitely her right to do. So, mm. um, it's so much going on in the world. A girl child. Let me say this because I feel like we about to. I feel like we about to transition mm-hmm. into this. Uh, Bill Cosby and R. Kelly. Are two sides of the same coin, and 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 it, and I'm really just thinking about because we were talking about Camille and stuff. I'm honestly thinking about how they treat black women, and I know Cosby for the most part when it comes to his sexual assault and things, he was mainly targeting white women. But at the same time, he was in the whole process. Whether I mean Camille could have been, you know, her part in it is notwithstanding but he was he was hurting her in the whole process right and keep honestly, talking until i come back so just keep talking <laughs> and honestly like what what he did i mean all of the things that he did has an effect on her but and then you have r kelly who specifically and mainly targeted black women poor black women for, for that matter women we, we don't generally give a fuck about honestly and um greg when you talked about you know being able to separate or being able to separate the man from his art when it comes to r kelly considering his art and the shit that he sung about like i can't like for me when 12 play comes on or when um what's that um bump and grind like when that shit comes on the first thing I think about is what the was he doing this for the child? Like that is the first thing that I think about, and I just cannot listen to it. I can't. Um, he like was I can't. Into Aaliyah and a lot of that. 
that too, that too. But every time I like, I can't, I cannot separate. I, when it comes to R, I can do it with Bill Cosby, but when it comes to R. Kelly, like I can't separate him from his music. Me either. Some, I just want y'all that. It's so very sexual. Okay, so at at the risk of being the jerk here, um, hmm, I understand that lack of not being able to separate him from the art. However, there there's a certain small section of R. Kelly where he was the producer without being the star of the show. Very true, and there's a lot of artists that are, have his music out there. That happened yeah. to me the other day. Yeah. Listening to, on. I was listening to and Selena Johnson. I'm just riding in Uber. I'm all happy. Mm-hmm. R. Kelly. I'm like, God damn it! Uh, I mean, you talking about Kelly Price. You talking about TDJ and Ali's brothers. You talking about shit. We going way back to when I was a child. What's their name? B2K. Yeah. He produced B2K? Pharrell and them, you talking about Jay Z? Like you really talking about a lot of shit, but a lot of people in the industry when it comes Maybe to our his fingers are on a lot of shit. Michael I, Jackson. I, just, I I want to be the person to throw it out here that his remix of Janet Jackson's "Anytime, Any Place" is still the shit. I so, have never heard that. Oh my god! Yes, you have. Yes, you have. You, you just didn't know it was him. You just didn't know it was him. What that, what is that? It's the remix of it. The remix of anytime, any place. <laughs> no, he's not singing it. Let's he we didn't. just gonna say the version that you love is him. It's his right. it's his remix. You just didn't know that he remixed right, with the it. water playing in the background and shit. Like yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. No. no and it's not, not that, that one. That's that's the original. The one okay, with the water, so it sounds like water drops. No. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a no. The re the remix was on the radio stations big time. So you probably heard it and just didn't know it was him. But that remix and the remix he did for Tony Braxton's How Many Ways were both both really great. And so him as a producer outside of the fuckery, just him producing, you know, even for Selena Johnson, the joints that he he produced for her. Like, I am your woman, even though that was a ripoff. Um, every, Every R. Kelly production has been a sample, like redone, like Pharrell does. But people just don't know what the sample is. They I've can't see the stitching. They can't. There you go. <laughs> so exactly. Thank you. Um, another reference to that. I I know the stitches and I see them. So I'm listening to it and I'm like, okay, I like the fact that he did this, but I know what it is, and it's kind of cool and clever how he ripped this off. But I appreciate that, and I can separate that that part of his artistry from who he is as an asshole, you know. The production can, part? Yes, I can, I can that's, separate. That's more understandable because that's yeah. behind the scenes. But, like, when you talk about his music and his lyrics and shit, I just, because a lot of his stuff is, is, is very sexual. So it's just like, mm, it just doesn't make me feel... It brings up a lot of, I will, I will say, and I'm not even going to lie, it, it's, it's nostalgic. And because I I like I mean who didn't like R. Kelly? If he was black, <laughs> who didn't like R. Kelly right. back in the day? Um and I mean, you know, he showed up at a mini cookout and all this other good stuff. And I mean he just made good music. Like, you cannot you can't lie and say he didn't make good music because he did. Um 
So I'm, when I do hear some of it, sometimes like it's just like wow. Like I do remember the song. I do remember like bumping to it. My head start going, and then like the sex part come up, and I'm just like uh uh-uh, uh, because it just make me. It I just think about all the shit that he did. And I'm just like I can't. I can't. I mean, I remember being in my third or fourth year of college, being between classes. Going to my friend's apartment, they're like, we about to watch this video, this R. Kelly video. And I, I, you know, I think, I think it took a long time for me to actually internalize what we had just watched. Because at that time, the only thing people were concerned about was, is that really him? You know, that's how that, especially on VHS, is that really him? Nobody was thinking about what you are actually watching. And then when you think back on it, and this was how many years ago was that? That was about 15 years ago. When you think back about what you were actually watching. First of all, it's like saying you watched the first run TV show. Because how the hell did we get our hands on this VHS <laughs> or this or this video? But anyway, it's not like YouTube these days. Um, it's just hard because, like I said, and like you just said, B. Willis, he going to show up at the cookout. He gonna he, he gonna either be stepping the name of love. I swear for God, during Women's History Month, I told y'all I was at an event where we was talking about um, women victims, and then a woman got up and started singing "I Believe I Can Fly." Like he gonna show up at the <laughs> cookout, and and that so that's what it's really is figuring out how is how to make that distinction, how to know when the line is when you throw the whole artist away, and also who who and when do you throw them away? Because there a lot of people got a lot of scandals. I mean, for me, I think it's the fact that, number one, R. Kelly has never taken accountability. And, number two, he's still doing this shit. Like, he's still got these girls out at this house, whether it's in L.A. or Atlanta, or both L.A. and Atlanta. He's still doing it and still saying, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Can I just, can I I talk about that whole throwaway thing for a second? Because, like, I'm just not a throwaway type of person. Mm -hmm. But, like... Because I just, I don't know, it's just, it's to me it's reductive and it doesn't really actually hold people accountable. Right. And that's what we want, that's what we want to happen and that's what we haven't seen happen with R. Kelly. And I think yeah. that is the main thing and I think that's why people talk about throwing him away because the nigga has never been accountable for his actions. Right. And we stay not holding him accountable. And I just, mm, that's, I feel like if, I feel like if R. Kelly was accountable and... You know, it took some years to kind of gain the trust back of black folks. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't still be. I I wouldn't be the person who's like, nah, you still canceled, nigga. Because I think because the throw, the throw everybody more. needs that. You know, needs. I'm all. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm all about grace. But R. Kelly hasn't shown me that he needs grace. Right, <laughs> and, and it's is, like is, is despicable. As a fan, you try to figure out how can you. The only we only got one way we can make people accountable. There's only one way we can make anybody accountable, and that's by throwing, whether it's throwing a, a clothing line away, or throw it, because I'm the same way, like, you know, I, who do, we just talked about my favorite artist in the world is is Michael Jackson, and I'll be, I'll be honest, I struggle with that every day, how am I able to throw away R. Kelly, and I'm not able to throw away Michael Jackson. I have my own ways that I have really figured that out for myself and I don't push that off on other people because everybody has their own relationship to things that people have done to me it's it it really comes down to the fact that you still doing it to these girls you still got girls uh, escaping and trying to tell people this is what he's doing this is where they are this is what happened and you still like no I'm not and you can't say that I did like it's just it's the it's the attitude that you can't be held accountable 
And mm-hmm. when you when you talk about him and, and R. Kelly, I mean Bill Cosby being different sides of the same coin, it's because Bill Ke- Bill Cosby finally got his come up but it took 30, 40 years. And it's like R. Kelly probably but, looking well, at Bill but, Cosby but, and not giving why a shit. Did he finally get his come up Let uh, why? Why? Because his victims are mainly what? Because they white. Because they no, white. Okay. But then can I also say like I want people to stop saying that this is like ruining Bill Cosby's life because he's lived his he's life. lived his life. Like, he lived like, a smooth like, sixty like, years. Like five years left of life. He, he has lived a smooth sixty until, years. Like, probably like five years ago. He has he been to every to continent. <laughs> and then like get away. <laughs> Like, he literally, like, he had to, and this is, like, isn't even the first time this shit went to trial. This, like, the third time they didn't try. It didn't even stick the first two times. Like, come on. Like, this nigga has lived his life, was freely raping people with rape tablets, not disco biscuits, rape tablets, because he got them specifically to rape people. <laughs> and he's free. He's, he, 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 I mean, he might spend three years in jail, if that, if that. And then with R. Kelly, like, this is my thing with, like, R. Kelly. Because a lot of people, you know, talking about them being two sides of the same coin, people used to go, you know, they'll go back and forth and you argue down with, about Bill Cosby and how, you know, all them bitches was down and they trying to get money, woo, woo, woo. And then it's like, we have an actual tape of R. Kelly fucking an underage girl. Mm. And you niggas still cape for him. Like, at this point, it's like, you just don't give a fuck. Because it's like, we have, outside of you literally watching him walk into a junior high school and pick out a victim and being there yourself, what else do you need besides an actual fucking videotape of the man in his own house raping a child? Like, you mm-hmm. niggas just don't care. And so, it's like, I, I on the bigger issue to me is like, how do we get motherfuckers to care? Because... I don't know what else to tell somebody if you could literally Google R. Kelly's sex tape to this day and watch him have sex with a kid and pee on her and you are not horrified at that. And them girls telling you that he he considers them his pets. Oh, I thought he considered them his Jeeps. But, you know, hey, what do I know? Not much. I don't know. I don't... There's, there's not much more that... There's not much more to give R. Kelly because I I was looking to see how far the what was the hashtag that just came out from Ava DuVernay uh, mute R. Kelly but it kind of <laughs> it died very fast and I didn't see Did any I, I didn't, thought it was still going on strong I guess not <laughs> I haven't seen it have you, you on the Twitter's more than me have you seen it still a lot on Twitter I mean I'm I'm on Twitter but I don't want to say more than you <laughs> you are I get on there sparingly. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it. No, not in the last couple of days, I guess. But I thought the for the people who you know who were championing it, I thought it was still happening. I mean, the thing about it is that you know I said about a year ago that Bill Cosby being on trial was rape culture being on trial, and really R. Kelly being under fire is rape culture being under fire. You know, you have so many dudes going around. You can't even get at a girl no more. I mean, exactly. it's because we was all taught rape culture. And I think uh, there is like this real traumatic shock that's going on that, you know, you got to like everything we taught was bullshit. Just 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 admit it. Everything that we was taught, whether it's parking lot pimping and all the shit that we was taught, it was all bullshit. 
And maybe that's easier for me to say at 40 when I am just only get up at people, you know, on Facebook. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, mm-hmm. any last minute thoughts about R. Kelly and, and Cosby before we go ahead and wrap this show up? Fuck them niggas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a perfect. Well, she said. Uh, that sounds like a perfect segue. Um, Greg, where can the people find you in the interwebs? Um, I do a mix once a month called Treble Free R and B. Yes, he That's does. available on Mixcloud. It's a uh, Mixcloud dot com slash Treble Free T R E. B L E F R E E. Uh, if you just type in Treble Free and search me, you can also find me there as well. Treble Free. All right. Courtney, Sister Courtney, where can the people find you in the interwebs? On Facebook, I am Courtney Weisinger. On Instagram, Snapchat, and all that, I am Music Diva C. You'll be looking for my new blog that's coming out soon. It's called The Educated Felon. What's my journey of being an educated woman, but also having a felony? Um, and also be looking for new music. I'm going to start actually, you know, doing music, you know, but I pay the people to, you know, to get education in. So be looking for new music and the blog. I'm just trying to get out there. Greg, please call me. I need you. Oh, Uh, well, there you go. (laughs) B Willis, where can the people find you in the interwebs? Um, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and medium if you want to see white folks being mad at me and what I write at hey Miss Willis on all of those things. All right, and Courtney and Kayla, where can the people find you? Um, you can find us on Instagram. It's short or it's uh underscore short Courtney underscore. You can also find me on Twitter, but I'm like more of a professional on Twitter now. Um, <laughs> Personally, I kind of dip off into um, some of my general online fuckery that I participate in on Facebook. Um, but yeah, Caleb, do you actually want to say hi to everybody? Say hi. No. Okay. Yep. So yeah. All right. Well, you can find me on Facebook as Dub Carolyn. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at the Nocturnal Project on, and on Twitter at CW the Host. I am t- I am really tinkering whether I'm going to finally retire the Nocturnal Project. I have been down a long road with you know the Nocturnal Project moniker, and I think that for uniformity of the brand, I need to finally do a formal retirement. But for right now, you can find I know it's a sad, sad thing. It's, it's really, really a sad, that was been a long journey. Um, but for right now, you can find me on the Noct- on Instagram as The Nocturnal Project. You can find the show uh, across all platforms. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As, oh, I didn't give you my Twitter. You can find me on Twitter as Host. The show is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as The C-Dub Show. Um, you can also email us at show at gmail.com. Or you can go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes, Acast, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spreaker. 
Uh, you can donate to the show. There is a donate tab on the Facebook, I'm sorry, on the website, SSNpodcast.com. And also, I finally went ahead and snatched up the CDubshow.com. So if for whatever reason you forget, if for whatever reason you forget that the site is SSN Podcast, you can type in the CDubshow.com and it will send you to SSNpodcast.com. Um, some homework for the cast. Especially B. Willis and Courtney. Next week, we will be completely reviewing Dear White People from end to end, season two. I have already watched it. Uh, I figured you two had not watched I it yet. I have not seen any season of that. Oh, Jesus. Well, watch I it anyway. I started watching season one today. It's good. It's funny. You'd like it. Well, yes. Well, now you got, you got a whole really? week. Because I have a feeling I won't, but yes. go on. No, really, you will. <laughs> Especially season two. You really like season two. Um, so that's the homework. Next week we will be completely um reviewing Dear White People. If if SSN does not review Atlanta Fubu episode, I'm gonna be talking about that shit too. Alright? So thank you guys for checking in to another episode of the C dub show, and we will see you out in the interwebs later. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Deuces. The C-Dub Show.